3: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. hd H
4: D W O G L H D three Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution. This is, is The next generation of talk, now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli.
0: We are live, day number two at CPAC on Radio Row. Welcome to the show, glad you're here today, 855-839-1210, on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We are so excited, we got an amazing show for you today, including our interview with Tulsi Gabbard. Is she on the shortlist for Veep? We'll find out. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, I want to welcome to the show, though, the 2024... National Press Secretary for (laughs) the President Trump's campaign, Caroline Levitt.
5: Caroline, how are you? I am doing fantastic. And it is great to be with you, Rich, here at Radio Row at CPAC. How much fun is this? This is great. It's quite the time. You have a lot of patriots walking by, a lot of characters here, a lot of people fired up. And the president will be here tomorrow. We're looking forward to a good speech.
0: Everybody's excited for him. And the unity here, which I've seen, Caroline, is is awesome. I mean, everybody's just so excited, um, so together. It really is something Beautiful to see. It the, really is. The
5: grassroots is more fired up than ever. Rich, you've been covering President Trump since 2016, I so have. you know this. I have. But I, I think the base is more enthused than they have ever been before. This man has never been in a stronger position to win. Republican Party's totally unified around him, with one exception, who I'm sure we'll talk about. I think <laughs> we will. Yeah. Uh, but, but. Uh, overall, we're ready to take the fight to Joe Biden. Yeah. And you're the
0: perfect person for the job, too. You ran for office. I did. You were in the White House. Uh, When I went to interview the president in the White House, I'm sure we crossed paths back then. Everybody was so nice and gracious. Uh, (laughs) So you get it. You've been in the fight. And and look, I mean, he's a fighter, and he needs people around him who are going to be fighters. Mm -hmm. You're a fighter, and that's good because, let's face it, these attacks are not going to stop. No, they won't. They're going to do everything they possibly can to try to keep him out of the White House.
5: Absolutely. We're seeing it every single day, whether it's the fake news media, who I have the great pleasure of of dealing with constantly. If I showed you my inbox right now, you would laugh out loud at the <laughs> incoming requests that we receive from the fake news on a daily basis. These people already decide what their narrative is going to be before they reach out to us for comment. They don't care about our, the truth. They don't care about what we have to say. They've already written their story. They're a propaganda right. machine, and it's really something to behold when you're inside and you realize how corrupt and, frankly, ignorant a lot of them are and out of touch with the American public. But then you also have, on the lost legal side of things far-left district attorneys, special prosecutors, st- secretaries of states, making decisions in an attempt to remove President Trump off the ballot. I mean, These are communist regime tactics that we're seeing at play here. It's a perilous time, but people get it. That's why you see the enthusiasm here at CPAC. That's why you see President Trump beating Joe Biden in key battleground states like yours, the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, because people recognize that they're going after the guy that made my life better, that secured our border, that kept our communities Safe that my my wallet was a little bit thicker when he was in office. Uh, Why are they going after him so much? So, real people get it, the fake news media doesn't. We're going to continue to fight to get President Trump's message out there, come hell or high water.
0: Now, uh, Pennsylvania, obviously key. He won 2016 in Pennsylvania. A lot of people think he won Pennsylvania in 2020 as well. Uh, We got to win 2024. Yes. Let's talk about energy independence for a second. I mean, Joe Biden, this idiot now with this liquid natural gas export ban is the biggest gift to Putin. I love how these people keep saying Trump yes. is with Putin. Putin's loving Joe Biden mm-hmm. right now. Loving him. Putin
5: just endorsed Joe Biden. He did. He said in an interview, he I was think asked. I he's speaking at DNC this year. <laughs> he
0: might be giving the nominating
5: speech. He's definitely not at CPAC, I'll tell you that. But he, he just said recently in an interview that Biden is better for Russia than Donald Trump. And his quote was yeah. because he's more productive predictable. And that's exactly right. D- Joe Biden is the weakest president we've ever had. He is so predictable. He says what he's going to do, especially with military strategy before we even unveil it. I mean, how stupid. President Trump calls him out for that all of the time. But Putin doesn't take Biden seriously. How could you? The man fumbles and bumbles over his own words. And to your point about the natural, the LNG exports, he's delaying them. And what is that? Who does that help? Russia, yep. Iran, mm-hmm. who just launched attacks in Israel. It certainly doesn't help the people of pennsylvania or west virginia putting their jobs out of business just like he made the point to do that on day one of his presidency with the cancellation of the keystone pipeline biden has put our adversaries first and america last his entire career and can we just imagine if we had four more years of this guy it's, it, it would be disastrous. America would be unrecognizable, and we can't let it happen.
0: Caroline, you are the national press secretary, so you got to deal with these ghouls in the corporate media all the time. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Thank you. I think you know one, I appreciate one of the reasons why talk radio does so well is yeah. because we actually can bring the truth here, and yeah. it's so obvious. The, the media, once again, in the tank for Joe Biden, yeah. absolutely 100. percent Bringing up the Russia collusion narrative again. I love this. I mean, these people are just recycling 2016. They are. They have no original thoughts yeah. whatsoever. They don't. Just playing like the greatest hits but it didn't work last time.
5: It's like Groundhog Day. (laughs) 2016, we have Hillary Clinton paying for the Steele dossier, our own government going along with it, the media just perpetuating it. They won Pulitzer Prizes for literally pushing lies. Russia, Russia, Russia. They impeached him over it, right? Endless lawsuits and smears. And then here we are in 2024. We wake up, and now they're out there with this false narrative, ridiculous story that... Uh, Donald Trump is soft on Russia, soft on Putin, soft on dictators. I mean, does anyone believe this anymore, really? Dictators were deterred under President Trump because they feared how the United States would respond. Mm-hmm. They knew he was in the Oval Office, tweeting in the middle of the night, thinking about how to deter our adversaries from aggression. Joe Biden goes to bed at 7 o'clock. These people are not afraid of him. <laughs> They're not afraid of him at all. And his policies are even worse than his his cognitive ability. They really are. Now, I'm told there's no
0: crisis at the southern border. I, I'm told that by the media. I've heard that. Uh... And
5: Secretary- America's right and again. the secretary his right, yeah, and, and,
0: and all the democrats however even john fetterman the democrat mm. senator from pennsylvania is acknowledging holy cow we have a crisis at the yeah. border it's in a literal invasion going on and don't you love caroline how joe biden said i don't have enough authority now he's coming out and saying he's going to do executive orders he undid everything president trump did to secure the border he
5: used the executive authority that he has to secure the border to w- open up the yeah. border he yeah. did it on day one and there was for no good reason other than these are policies that Donald Trump implemented so they must be bad. We need to wipe them off the books. Now look at where we are nearly four years later. We have nearly 10 million illegal people in this country. That's more than the total population of 40 American states. To your point, we have Democrats finally speaking out and saying this is unsustainable. When you look at Mayor Eric Adams in New York, that guy, he's preaching to no one. No I one know. in his party is even listening to him. And New York is a junkyard. I mean, really, you have illegal immigrants Immigrants in the streets beating up our brave New York police officers and then getting let free on bail I mean it, it's it's just so backwards Biden has the executive authority to fix it he refuses to do so because he is appeasing to the far, far-left Democrat Party, the globalist cabal who want open borders to destroy America, period.
0: And uh, $10,000 debit cards for illegal immigrants. Yes, hey, free health care. if nice you can get it. I would like a nice $10,000 prepaid free, debit card. Free
5: health care, right? right? Yeah. I mean, that, say that to the self-employed entrepreneurs and small business owners across this country who have to pay for their health care out of pocket. My family's one of them. My father worked his butt off to pay for our family's health care. Thousands of dollars every single month. There's so many families like mine out there. And the fact that you can have people whose first act is breaking our laws, illegally invading our country, and they're just given a free ride, that should infuriate all Americans. I think it does.
0: You know what else infuriates me? I'm so tired of them saying Trump's a dictator. When Joe Biden defies the Supreme Court and Mm -hmm. cancels student loan debt, Anyway, mm-hmm. there's $1.2 billion. It's a bribe. He's bribing people to get their votes in places like Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it infuriates me because that's what dictators actually yes. really do. They just do, well, the court made a ruling. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Biden's literally doing that. Of course, the press does not call him out on it. You
5: know what else dictators do? They go after their political opposition. Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up, Caroline. <laughs> We're seeing there's that. There's some of that happening too. Huh? I would say so. Uh, the
0: weaponization of this Department of Justice. But the thing about it is that, and I remember saying this to President Trump when I was in the Oval Office with him back in 19. You know, they want to stop him because he does not want to bring new wars. He doesn't yeah. want to start new wars. Exactly. And you see how the establishment is trying to stop him now. Mm-hmm. They love Nikki Haley because mm-hmm. she'll keep Ukraine going forever. Right. He, he did not want to bring new wars. He was looking to end the war on terror the right way. Mm-hmm. And that's why they wanted to stop him. And, mm-hmm. and, and they were undermining him. The deep state is actually real. It's mm-hmm. not a conspiracy theory, as we know.
5: It's very real. And it exists in the big concrete gray slab buildings that are on in Washington, D.C right across the river from where we actually are right now. And it's full of bureaucrats who make up the administrative state who push for war because it's profitable. And that's why they love Nikki Haley. She's a warmonger. She is going to push for endless wars around this world. Mm -hmm. President Trump is the only candidate on both sides of the aisle who says the word peace. Peace. If you notice that, he always says about any foreign policy, war, conflict, we're going to bring peace. We want to stop people from dying and the media attacks him for that. He is a peacemaker. He was the first president in the modern era not to get the United States into new war. We're indebted to him for that. And he will bring peace around this world again. I mean, again, going back to the dictator point, Russia invades Ukraine under Joe Biden. Iranian backed terrorists, Hamas, uh, launch attacks on Israel against Joe Biden. China on New Year's Day promised to take e- uh, Taiwan. They said it was, quote, inevitable. Mm-hmm. None of that happened under President That's Trump. Right. It all happened under Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, you know, if he was working for Putin, Putin should get his money back because uh, he waited all these years <laughs> to invade Ukraine until Trump was out of the White House. I exactly. mean, it makes absolutely no sense.
5: It's insane. Uh,
0: it's a pleasure to talk to you. you I hope you to come Rich. on the show again.
5: Absolutely. Anytime I will come on your show. You know,
0: your bad cops give me the look. That's the look you got to get. It's go. time
5: to go. Unfortunately, but we You're will the national press secretary. It's kind of a big deal. It, thank you.
0: It's, no, it's a big deal. Come I appreciate
5: on. that. But and you then know what else? You'll be the
0: White House press secretary. And the only thing I want to ask is, can I one day like come in and sit behind, stand behind the podium? <laughs> you have my take word. Take a picture. Yeah, you can.
5: Yes, you I can. I appreciate that. You have thank my you. word. You know, what else is a big deal? The great state of Pennsylvania. And something tells me Donald Trump is going to be there quite a bit before November. So we'll see you there, Rich. I
0: can't wait. Caroline (laughs) Levitt, National Press Secretary for President Trump. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. And we will continue live here from uh, Radio Row and CPAC, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. We'll take a very quick break so we can make a couple of readjustments here. And we'll come right back.
4: The only Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
0: All right, live from CPAC 2024, Radio Row. Great to be with you today. What a show we have. Gordon Chang is going to be on in a little bit. I'm so excited for that. Uh, We've got so many great guests coming up, of course. uh, Tulsi. I'll tell you the whole story behind what happened with Tulsi yesterday. But what a fantastic day it's been. And uh, I'm telling you, this is the place to be. CPAC 2024, Radio Row. Great to be with you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. This is the big story of the day. Brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. He will give you the smile of your dreams, the smile that you deserve. Uh, absolutely, he will. And uh, you know, the, my guest, who's going to come on the show in just a second, is a is a true fighter for freedom, and I am really happy. But she's a rock star, and this is what happens at CPAC. You get these, you get these people who are rock stars, and everybody wants a picture with them. So I'll bring on, come on, Congresswoman Rockstar, come on, here we go. Hey, Congresswoman, how are you? Come on, join us here on the show, and we uh, will bring on Congresswoman. Cat Kamek in just a matter of moments. We are live on the air uh, from CPAC, but I don't think she knows that yet. That's okay. So, Congresswoman, hey how are you we're actually on the air uh, hello so, yes, i'm so sorry okay don't be sorry it's all right it's great to have you join us i appreciate it very very much my name is rich it's the only pleasure to meet you holy crap that's loud is that loud we can lower that for you <laughs> we lower that there we go congresswoman kat kamik from florida how you doing we're doing good we're gonna get that we're up. we're doing good we are raise that look we'll at those nope, levels nope. right no nope. hold on hang on we're gonna get the levels right this is what happens at CPAC. you got to get the technical Uh-oh. levels right. No, no audio. No audio. Get her something. Oh, there That's, we go. There, there we, we go. go. Okay. We good? We're good. We're good. Right, We're good. Nice to see you. It's good to see you. I'm a big fan of yours. You, you work uh, so hard. You're a fighter for freedom, so thank you for that. I, I appreciate well, it very much. Listen, it's only the country on the line. <laughs> God, I hope we work hard. It really is. You, of course, serve on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, and the House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. This is actually my favorite committee. Oh. It really is. because do I Do you believe- have insomnia? I do. <laughs> How did you know? Because mm, you're watching our committee hearings. And you can yeah, tell the bags yeah. under my eyes or what? <laughs> no, I love the fact that the government of the United States of America is going after its people in this way. Oh. We live in a police state, Congresswoman. Yeah. And I'm glad you, 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 know, you are finally exposing all this because it's outrageous what's happening. Well, and to make matters worse, the, the Democrats
7: that serve on this committee with us, they are so obsessed with Donald Trump that we could be having a hearing about the weaponization of the federal government and its use of AI to suppress people's voices on social media. And all they will talk about is Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. They will completely ignore the fact that there has been violations of the Fourth Amendment with bank statements being given over to the FBI without a warrant, with key searches for if you shop at Bass Pro or Cabela's or if you buy a Bible, that you are somehow a domestic extremist. It's amazing. They ignore the fact that the White House and it's in black and white, we have the emails, has made demands of social media companies, private social media companies, saying to take down certain posts that did not line up with their political agenda. And to make matters worse, we have evidence in emails, black and white, from the Ukrainian intelligence service to the FBI with spreadsheets of posts that they wanted the FBI to work with these social media companies to take these posts down. It gets better. Among the posts that they wanted taken down were U.S. government posts, State Department posts, and people are saying, no, no, this isn't really happening. No, it's happening. You just choose to ignore it. And ignoring it doesn't make the problem go away. In fact, it's going to get worse.
0: Yeah. The the censorship, the level of censorship this government has engaged in against its yes. own people. And then this whole nonsense about misinformation and disinformation so that they can control the narrative, right? Yes.
7: Yes. In fact, there was one uh, hearing that we did on AI where the federal government, through the National Institutes of Health, they granted all these various universities a ton of taxpayer money, millions and millions of dollars to create AI models to combat dis and misinformation. MIT actually came out with a program that would, at scale, censor Americans who were engaged in political discourse online that was deemed Dis or misinformation. Now, of course, everyone can see the writing on the wall of how that's going to go. But they were so ballsy, and I'm—I don't know if I can use no, that word. you just said it. So you did uh, well, it. Go sorry. ahead, go for
0: it. Sorry. No, you um, do it.
7: They were—I'm just going to say it again. Better they, come,
0: but you say it than I say it. So there you go. You they know.
7: were so brazen. How about that? They had big cojones. Sí, <laughs> si, muy, muy grande. <laughs> they were so brazen about it that they actually said in their PowerPoint presentations that we. got our hands on, our little grubbies on, that this was designed to re-educate veterans, rural Americans, and conservatives. Why? Because we didn't know how to properly judge mis- or disinformation, and we were more susceptible to it. This is the BS that we're dealing with.
0: They really do think we're idiots, don't they? Oh, yeah. They really do. They
7: think very, very little of us. And how
0: many of these three- and four-letter agencies are involved in this, from the CIA to the NSA to the FBI to the the Department of Health? And, I mean, all of it, right? They're all engaged in this.
7: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say basically every agency in the federal government is involved and engaged in this in some way. Because whether it's the CDC and their data manipulation and their coordination with NSF and FDA on, say, vaccine issues, Right. Um, that You can go down that path. You can go down the FTC and what they did in going after Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Uh, every agency in some capacity has, has become so brazen in their total disregard for constitutional rights because there has been very little in the way of Article I authority. Congress does not assert itself. Congress has no spine. They are like, you know what? Governing's hard. Let's let the executive branch do it you nameless faceless bureaucrats in the in the basements all over Washington DC you yeah. guys can figure it out and so they've really become emboldened in how they do it and so i think we have a lot of work to do not just in reigning in these agencies and and deregulating many of them cutting many of them mm-hmm. we've got a lot of work to do in that space but ai it has the potential to do something great and also something very dangerous.
0: It's kind of, you know, are you going to use your powers for good or evil? Right. And we're
7: at that <laughs> crossroads right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, and and then uh, determining, too how we regulate it in a way that doesn't just benefit the left. Because yes. that's what always worries me. Yes. Whenever we talk about regulation of social media, tech, in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. it always seems like our side comes out on the losing end. Oh, yeah. because, because everything we say is hate speech. Everything we say is conspiracy. Everything we say is, is misinformation. That always seems to be how it is.
7: Well, I mean, it, it's, this is what's so crazy is... Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft got absolutely dragged across Twitter this week when they released their AI models. And you saw that if you asked for a picture of George Washington, George Washington, according to AI, was black. Right. So, surprise! <laughs> a lot of people were surprised. And I didn't know that the Pope was a woman. Um, you know, it's just riddled with DEI nonsense. And so, you, you think about how dangerous this can be, right? Yeah. It all comes down to the language models. And, and I was recently appointed, actually this week, to the AI task force that Congress has good. put together. And, yeah, so it turns out that having a millennial uh, in Congress is good for more than just turning on and off your iPhones for my older colleagues. <laughs> True story. I do that often. I do that often. They're like, "Cat, um, you're you're a youngster, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Can you? How do you turn this thing off?" I'm like, "Oh, great. You're you're in charge of policy on social media. It's That's- Massey, right? He yeah. can't do it, isn't it? It's Massey. I know it is. Come on. No, it's not Massey. I love Thomas. Thomas is so great. Um, for his birthday, I gave him a, a beer stein, and you know, he he, loved, he loves his beer um, and his raw milk. Um, but it's funny right. because Massey, you know, he, he's a he's a very good libertarian, and he has an iPhone that has, like, circa 2009. <laughs> that screen has been broken so many times that he must have, like, cuts on his face from
0: using it. It's so bad. He's got to get a new phone. Carson with Cat with me. It's so great to have her. The House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government. Yeah. We can turn it around. We can we, we can turn this around if yeah. the president, if Trump wins. I really think we can. But we have to hold these faceless, nameless bureaucrats accountable yes. because they not only go after the the American people—they went after the president. They have so much brazen cojones that Muy they grande, cojones. Mi, mi grande and they know they're not going to get in trouble for any of this, and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then also to your point about Congress having no cojones, all these rules that these people promulgate, and then Congress has to pass a law to overturn a rule—that's insane.
7: Yep, I mean that is that is exactly why I talk about Article One authority. We have ceded all of our control, yeah. and by extension of doing that. We have given the American people's voice away. And that is, that is really the troubling part. The founders always intended for Congress, to, as particularly the House, to be the loudest and strongest element in this wild, crazy experiment of government. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people, no, actually, you're a member of Congress, they work for you. And you have to communicate with them because then they have to go and do your bidding in Washington. And I know that uh, right now, particularly there's this weird thing that we're living through called entertainment, where members of Congress think that fighting is just standing on the House floor and giving really fiery speeches. (laughs) That's actually not fighting. That's not working, right? Right, right. It's grandstanding. That's political theater, you know? Um, I think what is so critical is reestablishing that balance mm-hmm. so that that one half of one third of government is strong and, and is being used as intended. The other part is the regulatory state. Our our team last year led the largest regulatory reform bill in American history. And I know that's probably the least sexy topic that we could ever talk about. You're like, ooh, cat,
0: you're getting me going on I'm hot. I'm turned on right now, baby. Oh, I'm man. He's saying. taking
7: his jacket off oh, right yeah, now, we're, folks. We're a little
0: Barry White here, folks.
7: Come on. I know. It's going to be some like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a joy. Will you come back on the show? Absolutely. I would love to have you back. You're Absolutely. Great. All right. Love and Philly to. loves you. Well, we, we and our would... station's massive, so it's bigger than a lot of these <laughs> low-energy stations around here. I'm just telling you that right now. So you picked a good one. But I well, know you got to go. Your team's here. They're know, wrestle me to I know. I ground If I don't let you go, I
7: know when they get creepily close to me, that means yeah, that I've got to go. And, and I'm
0: like, they're gonna like, you know, right, can we get a picture before? Absolutely. We go? Congresswoman Cat Camick, everybody, live from CPAC Radio Woo! Row. Awesome, lover. All right, Let's do this on the air. I'll be live. Okay. What I'll do is, come, if Sorry you don't mind, my Rick Flair. If you don't mind coming over, and uh, you can take your headset off, okay. and we'll take a picture while I continue to vamp here because. Really, you're a fighter, and you're a millennial, and you can turn my iPhone off, and that's awesome. <laughs> and you said cojones. Yeah, and course we course. lost our FCC license, thanks to you, so I appreciate that. Maybe you can fight to get that back for us. <laughs> yeah, all right? if you
7: can fill out a privacy act form, i be <laughs> happy
0: to Thank you, Congresswoman. Appreciate it. She said, fill out a privacy, form, a privacy Act form for us. We'll take care of that. So that's great. Uh, all right. We are live at CPAC on Radio Row. It's chaos, as I knew it would be chaos. Absolutely. But I want to thank our great sponsors. We we are very, very lucky to have and Lock Service there for us every day. And if you need them, because you have any locksmith needs whatsoever, your key fob has been lost or stolen. Uh, factory keys, transponder keys, remotes have to be reprogrammed, any of that. Let the good folks at McCall's and Lock Service do it, because that's what they do. And they can do it while you wait, and they can do it for half off what the dealer will charge you. And they serve all makes and models, the fancy cars, too, BMWs, Mercedes-Benz, you name it. McCall's and Lock Service, Tom and Chrissy, good people, family people, who are there for you every single step of the way. So... Go see them today, and they stand with us for our Travis Mannion Foundation Radiothon, and I'm so excited that, once again, they're going to be one of our big sponsors for that. McCaw's Unlocked Service, right on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA. McCaw's Unlocked Service, am I... Okay, we're going to keep going here. I'm going to welcome to the show... Gordon Chang.
8: My friend, how are you? It's great to see you. It's great to see you, Rich, and thank you so, so much.
0: Oh, it's, it's my honor to have you in person. You know, you've been on my show so many times in the past. You're, of course, author of the book, China is Going to War, a board member here at CPAC. Uh, you escaped Chinese communism. You are an outspoken critic of the Chinese Communist Party, and uh, and you're a heck of a nice guy, too. Oh, well, thank you. So, first of all, Uh, In your book, China is going to war. We have to recognize that fact. They are not our friend.
8: That's right. They talk about war all the time. Xi Jinping is implementing the biggest and the fastest military buildup since the Second World War. He's trying to sanction proof his regime. He's stockpiling grain and other commodities. He is surveying the U.S. for nuclear weapon strikes. That was the balloon last year. Mm -hmm. Um, He's supporting wars by Russia and Iran because those are China proxy wars. And they are mobilizing China's civilians for war. Now, no one knows the future 100 percent, but, you know, we have to ask the question. When in history has a militant regime gone on this really war um, tear and not actually started a war?
0: What do you make of all these Chinese nationals who are sneaking in over the southern border?
8: The problem here is that we're seeing people who look like Chinese soldiers. Um, they are... If you go back three years ago, the Chinese migrants who were coming in were families. They were basically middle-class Chinese who had given up on their country. Now, 80 to 90 percent of the Chinese migrants are Chinese males, basically military age, traveling without family members, pretending not to speak English. Some of them have been conducting Chinese military rituals on the way up. And U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of them actually have links to the Chinese military. What is really disturbing is since the end of January, we have been seeing these videos of Chinese migrants in the U.S. for no more than three weeks who came across the border with just their backpacks, no money, no identification. And what are they doing? They're taking target practice with pistols and rifles. So, you know, if you were just a migrant and you would just come into the U.S., I think that you'd be thinking about Where's my next meal coming? You know, right. where am I going to live? What am I? How am I going to get a job? You wouldn't be thinking about killing your neighbors unless you came here to kill your neighbors. So, um, there have been some uh, reports of Chinese migrants involved in other very, very suspicious activities. We have to assume that some of them may be thousands are actually Chinese soldiers who've come here to wage war on us.
0: Gordon Chang, do you think that they could just leave China? Do you think Xi Jinping would just let them leave if they weren't leaving for a reason?
8: Um, These days after COVID, yeah, they can leave on their own. Um, And and I don't think China likes the idea that, um, you know, middle-class Chinese have decided to leave. But um, But they're not the ones sneaking in through the Southern border. Yeah, well, some of them are, but... um, Right now, as I said, we've seen a change in the composition so that now they are these soldiers coming across. I mean, it's 80 to 90 percent of the migrants are now the type that I described. So yeah, we got to be really concerned that China has decided to see in this surge of Chinese migrants um, dangerous individuals. And re- And remember, Rich. That lab in Reedley, California, which is in the Central Valley close to Fresno, Yeah, I mean, that was a secret Chinese biological weapons facility that uh, that building inspector found. I mean, there were at least 20 pathogens, according to the official count, including the one for Ebola, and almost 1,000 mice that had been genetically engineered to spread disease. So that probably is not the only such facility in the U.S. So you put this all together. You got soldiers and operatives coming across our border. You got a Chinese biological weapons lab. You're going to link them up. These guys are going to take the mice, spread them around the U.S. This is our next pandemic.
0: It's terrifying. And what I've been reading about, China's still doing gain-of-function research. Uh, Absolutely.
8: Right. And and it's it's not just gain-of-function. It's also they're describing specific ethnic genetic attacks, which is the term that they use. In other words, they're talking about attacks by pathogens that will leave the Chinese immune but kill everybody else.
0: I mean, that's just, it, 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 it's the stuff of, of scary science fiction movies, but it's very real. And we also know it's real because you told me this, and, and, and what was amazing is that the Secretary of Energy of the United States, Dan Briatt, sends a cable back in 2019 to our Department of Health, saying this is what's happening, and the Chinese military is involved here with this, you know, gain of function research on COVID, and all the warnings were ignored by Fauci and everybody else. But it was it's well, the Chinese military behind yeah, this.
8: Yeah, Fa- Fauci had every reason to ignore them. Remember, it was 2014. Um, president Obama imposed the um, moratorium on the funding of gain of function research in the United States because it was considered to be by the president too dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, what did Fauci do? He outsourced gain-of-function research to a Chinese biological weapons lab. And so, of course, you know, what Fauci did was wrong by every standard. And his only defense can be, well, you know, um, Congress appropriated the money, but he knew better. He knew what he was doing. There's a record of statements by Fauci supporting gain-of-function research. And this is even in light of the moratorium during the Obama administration. So, yeah, Fauci is largely responsible for SARS-CoV-2, the pathogen that caused COVID-19, which killed, at last count, 7 million people outside of China, including 1.1 million Americans. Now, we can argue about the death toll in the U.S. Some people will say it's less, but anything above zero is completely unacceptable for a disease that should never have left central China. When the military
0: world games were happening in the fall of 2019, and that was really the first outbreak of COVID
8: in, in Wuhan, was that deliberate? Um, I, there's a difference of opinion on it, and a lot of Chinese nationals and, and people, ethnic Chinese in the U.S., they say it was deliberate. They say, this is Communist Party. It's that malicious. I tend to think that it was accidental. Okay. But the point is, Once this disease got out into China, um, Xi Jinping deliberately spread it beyond China's borders. In December 2019, in January 2020, the Chinese Communist Party knew that this disease was highly transmissible human to human. But they not only covered it up, that's bad enough, but what they did was they told the world it was not transmissible. So they knew it was, they told the world it was not. And then to compound this and to really make it clear that this was a disease intentionally spread, while they were locking down their own country, and yeah, lockdowns are controversial, but by locking down their own country, they were telling the world they thought this was an effective way of stopping disease. So while these guys were locking down their own country, they were pushing other countries to take arrivals from China without travel restrictions or quarantines. So they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And that means this was murder. That means uh, 7 million people were murdered. And by the way, if you look at the Genocide Convention of 1948, um, this fits into the definition of genocide. 7 million genocide, more than the Holocaust. How
0: significant is Taiwan to
8: the United States of America? It is... Let me put it this way. Defending Taiwan is defending the United States. It's not like we're doing this because we think it's a good idea for peace and stability in the world. We're doing this for our own good. And the reason is since like the 1880s or so, the United States has drawn its Western defense perimeter off the coast of East Asia. Taiwan is at the center of that line. Also, China is attacking not just our democracy, but Every democracy. So we cannot allow the Chinese to absorb any democracy because the next attack is on us. Also, we get, you know, there's one Taiwan company, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, manufactures 92% of the world's sophisticated chips. But there's another reason. And that is after President Biden's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, August 2021, Taiwan has become the test of American credibility and resolve, not just in East Asia, but around the world. So we have every reason to defend Taiwan and we're doing it not for the Taiwanese. We're not doing it for general peace and stability in the world. We're doing it for ourselves. We do not want China to take Taiwan, which will allow the Chinese Navy and Air Force to surge into the Pacific, where it will st- end up on our doorstep in Hawaii. Last
0: question, because I know you've got to run. You're in high demand here, Gordon Chang, and we're grateful for your time. Grateful for all that you I, I'm do. I'm grateful to be here, so thank you, Oh, Rich. listen, it's my honor. Um, the South China Sea and the way that the Chinese naval forces continue to encroach on the South China Sea, uh, and also now what China's doing in terms of their submarine development. How concerned should we be about all that?
8: Well, we should be because, you know, we talk about Taiwan as being a target of Chinese aggression. I think that the most likely target of Chinese aggression is actually the Philippines. We're talking South China Sea because we're seeing some very belligerent Chinese activity at Second Thomas Shoal, Scarborough Shoal and Whitsun Reef. These are parts of the Philippines. The Chinese believe that they should take them and they've been engaged in seamanship tactics that some of them actually are acts of war against Manila. The United States um, State Department and even President Biden, to their credit, have issued warnings to China that we will use force to discharge our obligations to the Philippines under our mutual defense treaty. What's really dangerous, Rich, is that China has blown through all of those warnings. These warnings have been oral, they've been written, and yet China doesn't care, which means we're not deterring China, which means God knows what. President Trump deferred, he was able to defer China, he was able to deter them, I mean, because of the sanctions, it worked, right? And and also he was able to deter them because of his unpredictability. If you go back to, I think it was 2017, Xi Jinping was at Mar-a-Lago for that dinner, Mm -hmm. and there was a conference, I mean, a summit and dinner, and then Trump stood up and said, right at dessert, that beautiful chocolate cake, as Trump said. He said, I have just authorized the bombing of Syria. Well, Syria is a Chinese friend. Xi Jinping is sitting right next to him, and I'm sure that Xi gulped when he heard Mm -hmm. that. You know, there are some things that Trump did about China I didn't like, um, like that trade deal at the end. But the point is, it doesn't really matter. Trump was able to deter China because he was unpredictable, because he was willing to get at them when they needed it, and when we needed to really punch them in the gut. And we had peace and stability. And it was not just China, it was Vladimir Putin. You know, Putin invades Crimea during the Obama administration. He invades the rest of, of Ukraine um, in 2022. Four years of peace. You know, a lot of people complained. And I didn't like the way that, you know, Trump talked about Putin. I thought it was being too friendly. But the point is, Putin didn't move during four years that Trump was in the Oval Office. We had peace and stability in Ukraine. We had peace and stability in Europe. Putin didn't move. Xi Jinping didn't move. You know, Kim Jong-un didn't move. And those Iranian mullahs, they were quiet. So, you know. It matters. It matters. It matters. It, it worked. It was a policy that worked. Gordon Chang,
0: my, my friend, my pleasure. Honestly, great to have you. Please it come was, back and see us again, okay?
8: Absolutely, and thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thanks.
0: As we are live here from Radio Row with CPAC, uh, let me, I want to take a quick picture with Gordon Chang. I'll, I'll continue talking. This is what we do as, uh, as the audience continues to listen. Me and my, my buddy here, this, this guy is a fighter, and he's the real deal. So let's, okay, here we go. All right. Gordon, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Uh, great guy. Great uh, great guy. Great great sponsor. Great friends of the show. Judith Krupnik, Joseph Cohen, and uh, all the people over there. They are wonderful people who are going to be there for you every step of the way. I know you will have a great experience there, so please go see them. Go see them today, all right? I'd love for you to do that. Uh, the thing about it is that... A lot of these dealerships there, they pressure you. You're never going to have any pressure at Cherry Hill Volvo ever. They will always treat you with the respect that you deserve. And here's a great opportunity for you. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy car for less than $29,000, right? A beautiful sedan, rarely used, a courtesy car. So that is used as a a loaner. It's used for valet service. And uh, it could be yours for less than $29,000 with less than 5,000 miles on it. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, the region's most accessible Volvo dealership. Judith Yosef and the entire team would love to see you and take great care of you. Absolutely. So go see them today. Or maybe you want an SUV. You know, Bridget drives the XC90. It is the, the third row family SUV. It's going to get you and your family there safe and sound. And no matter what you choose, you'll have a great experience. Don't let the renovation of the dealership intimidate you. That dealership was started by Judith's father back in the early 1960s. It's a very special place. There's even a part of the floor. You can still see the original floor. Uh, but at Cherry Hill Volvo, uh, they, they have incredible inventory right now, something for you, and you'll love the experience. So go see it today. Go see them today. Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Don't forget, we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Vavo studios where relationships matter. Because they really do.
4: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
0: Has the show started yet?
9: Uh, that was a very action-filled, what, forty-five 50, minutes? Fifty-four minutes. That was just yeah, intense, was just one, right? Yeah, Holy one cow! after another.
0: Welcome back to the show. We are live at CPAC Radio Row 2024. Oh man, that just—we just got shot out of a cannon there. Holy <laughs> cow! I haven't even turned on my call screen yet, so I'm sure Henry's been writing me nasty notes. Have you been writing me nasty notes?
3: No, not quite.
0: <laughs> not- <laughs>
3: just just some gonna- ad reads here and there, but you've been good about them. You've been saying them, so i got nothing to complain about.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Well, you'll find something to complain about, I'm oh, sure, before oh, the day's over. Oh, oh, 100%. I mean, it just started, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> we only have three hours left. Oh, so i got a funny story to tell you. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah. All right, so last night, this um, beautiful Hawaiian woman came on the show and um, hung out with me uh, <laughs> after the show. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, you know Tulsi Gabbard was. uh, She gave two interviews yesterday. She gave an interview to Steve Bannon, and she gave an interview to me. Uh, She only did two, and it was like I mean, right, Matt? It was like a rock star. There was a huge crowd around Tulsi. Was there not? Oh man, it was quite an entourage
9: following her, yeah.
0: And we had a wonderful chat together, and we're going to do a book event together. Did I tell you that she wants to do a big event? And we, we're going to do it as a live show. We're going to do a live show and then also do uh, a book event uh, at the same time. Very exciting. So we're going to make that happen with Tulsi. We're going to play the interview at 5 o'clock for you. And uh, I think you're going to like what she has to say. Because the question you have and the question that I have is, is, it, is she sincere? Is, is, this, is this conversion you know, this conversion from the Democrat Party, is it, is it real? Is it sincere? And look, I... I, I i'm old school you know i need to look somebody in the eye to believe them i got to look them in the eye and i i looked her in the eye we had an interview i mean the eye contact was unbreakable for 15 solid minutes (laughs) and um oh look there's congressman matt gates hey Matt, how are you um it was unbreakable eye contact and uh it was great so you want to grab him you can try why not maybe you'll want to say hi um I think she's sincere in everything she had to say. But, of course, you're going to have to be the judge of that. You know, when you hear the interview, you'll have to be the judge. You didn't get the opportunity to sit across the table with her and get the eye contact, so I did. You know, and that's the beautiful part about it. Now, he's got to go speak. That's all right. He's in. Uh, it's the thing about CPAC, Is People come by, and sometimes they're free and sometimes they're not. And, you know, we try to get him if we can. And if we can't, no big deal. So uh, He
9: was very busy.
0: It was bang- basically he just told Matt to just go F off I think is what he just said <laughs> Like leave me alone kid Wasn't, wasn't that exactly <laughs> It was, wasn't that But um, Kat Kamek was great
9: Oh she exceeded my expectations And I was Very much looking forward to that interview
0: Yeah I, I, we, we gotta get her back on the show more often She said she would
9: Come on whenever we want Just shoot her a text message And she's Fantastic. there Fantastic so.
0: And now Catherine Levitt, The National Press Secretary for Trump Is my new buddy So <laughs> you're my, making, new, my new pal You're making lots of friends Making lots of friends and uh, making some enemies, too, because I keep making fun of the other radio stations that are here. Because, honestly, there's no one here who has the reach we do. That's the truth. That is the truth right there. I do
9: like that you keep weaving that into every interview. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, yesterday the question was White House cocaine dogs or defund the police dog, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark. That... Survey's over. The audience has chosen Cocaine White House Dog. So there we go. And, you know, that's how it is. All right. Who do we have coming up at uh, 4 o'clock hour? We've got uh, we Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf is going to stop by. Very excited about that. That's going to be great. So we'll talk to her and uh, Tulsi Gabbard at 5. We've got some other surprises for you in between. So you don't want to miss a single minute of this. But I want to tell you about my friends at uh, McCausen Lock. McCausen here, Henry, is that right? Uh, Emmons. 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 Emmons Roofing and Siding. My great friends at Emmons. So Matt and Stephanie are truly personal friends of mine. But before they became friends, they did my roof. And they did such a fantastic job on the roof. I was thrilled. Lifetime warranty on that roof. And I was so pleased. I said, let's do the doors and the windows. And then they got into the kitchen and bathroom remodeling business. And I'm telling you right now, they did such a great job remodeling my kitchen, remodeling my bathroom. My wife was thrilled. Happy wife, happy life. She loved the work they did. They can give you... A new bathroom in a day. That's right. I said it. One day. Bathroom remodel. Trust the team at Emmons. They serve Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore. And if you have a Jersey Shore house, please get that that roof inspected. Minor leaks now can turn into major repairs when the warm weather hits. So what are you waiting for? Please reach out to Emmons today. They have a design showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You can go visit. Or go to emmonsroofing.com, E M M O N S, emmonsroofing.com. Trust the team that I've trusted for over six years with every project that you can think of in my home. I'm grateful to the great work of Emmons and their support of our show, and you'll be happy with the job they do. It's guaranteed. Emmonsroofing.com, emmonsroofing.com.
4: Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, three to seven. Talk radio, twelve ten. WPHT, and on the Free Odyssey app. OGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution. Our guest. This, dish this is, is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zoli.
0: All right, we are live from CPAC Radio Road 2024, baby. It is great. It is so much energy here. The energy is alive and well and palpable, and it's fun. Come up hey, real quick. I said a couple of the early members just stopped by. So, um, Don and James Hogan. How are you guys? You having fun? Great. 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 Yeah, oh, yeah awesome. here, sit down for awesome. a quick second. I mean, awesome. I haven't actually talked to any of our listeners, just only uh, blo- bloviating politicians. So, how's CPAC treating you guys? Good? Been Excellent. awesome. Yeah. Yes.
6: time and refreshing. Really?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. What, who have been your favorite speaker so far? Uh, for me, Matt, Gaetz. Matt yeah? Gates. Matt yeah. Gates for sure. He's a yeah. firebrand. Yeah. Okay, good. Who else? Did you see Christine Ops speak? I did. How'd she do? She was excellent. She wants to have dinner with me after the show. I, I don't know. I, I don't have time, but I don't know. Oh, I back. think I'd make busy, time. You know, but. at least the Elise was, was just good. really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, she was yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Did, you know, Kat Kama came on the show. Yes. She did a great job yeah. too. I, heard, I listened so. to her too, and yep. I just saw you yep. interview her. Good, mm-hmm. awesome, yep. Yep. wonderful. Yep. And we'll, we'll play the interview with Tulsi at five o'clock today. <laughs> okay. All right. So good. Sounds yeah. good. Well,
6: nice to see you both. and Thank you
0: for stopping by. Thanks so much. Thanks for all you do.
6: Can we just say one other thing? Sure Go ahead. You know, from listening to coming to CPAC, listening to people like you, Steve Benn and others, we got involved. We're gonna be running as committee people. We just found out today we're running unopposed and we're gonna to try to get rid of our rhino congressman in Bucks County.
0: Well. Best of luck to you. You're, you're brave to even want to enter public life, I will tell you that. Well, I, it's I, a I give, I give you credit for wanting to put your name okay. on the ballot. You so. have to do it. This you is the last year we're going to lose the country. Yes. Good luck to you both. All right. right. All right. Nice you, to see Rich. you both. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, 855-839-1210. The big story of the day today brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Uh, we have a lot um, to get to. I want to start, though, locally with Senator John Fetterperson's body double. Now, uh, again, again, my theory on Fetterman is that, Fetterperson, I don't want to bring gender into it, is that he had a body double, and then just like in the movie Dave, the body double took over for John Fetterperson and has now been, you know, because he's of his stances on Israel and his stances on immigration and these other things, too. But his point, and he's going after those people that go after uh, Joe Biden, and it's funny, too, because... There is something playing out here in the Democrat Party, if you've noticed, if you pay attention to it. They want Biden gone. And the reason why they want Biden gone is because they know Biden's going to lose and they want him gone. And what's happening is the criticism of Biden is coming from places like The New York Times, places within the Democrat Party. That's what's happening. And it's happening because they know that Trump beats him. And I've told you before, the establishment cannot allow Donald Trump to win. They're going to do everything they possibly can to stop him. Now, John Fetterman is not happy about that because he wants to make it very, very clear that you've got to stand by your man. I think that he's playing us here. I really do. I think he's been playing us in a lot of different ways, you know, trying to be the sensible, reasonable moderate so that when the general election comes, he can shiv uh, Donald Trump in the back. But the other reason, too, is that I think he's really worried. That if they replace, if they replace uh, Biden, they're going to wind up getting a kook like Gavin Newsom, who's not going to play in Pennsylvania. Or they'll get a kook like Gretchen Whitmer, who's not going to play in Pennsylvania. I think that that's where they're, what he's really worried about. That's my sense of it. Now, I think Trump beats Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. I really do. But I think Fetterperson is actually, remember, he was a Bernie guy at one point. He was a Bernie Sanders guy before his body double took over. And his body double now is all in on Team Biden. Just ask yourself Why? Ask yourself why John Fetterperson is saying this stuff on Morning Joe. Uh, cut number one. Cut one. Am I not hearing it? Or is As it you go around just,
3: Pennsylvania, go. as you hear from your constituents, what um, what is the most important issue facing them? What do you hear the most from them as we move into this uh, incredibly important election. What's the issue that you keep hearing about?
2: again, I think the most important issue is, is like, what do we want for this state and what we want for this nation? And what we want kind of a world order is as is, is well too. And it's gonna be very competitive as well too. And the president is gonna win here in, in Pennsylvania. And I've always believed that whoever wins Pennsylvania is gonna be the next president as well too. And this is gonna be, it's gonna be difficult. And we all have to lean in on that. And we also have to start having you know, all kinds of Democrats criticizing the president, too, publicly. I, I don't understand why. I don't know what's in it for you to do that, whether you're just
0: chasing clout or you want to make it in the news or anything like that. But if you're not willing to just support the president now and say these kinds of things, you might as well just get your MAGA hat
2: because you now yeah. are helping Trump at this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's Mika. Huh. Yeah, the hype man. Uh, they're saying this because they know Biden's going to lose, John Fenner person. They know he's going to lose. That's why they're criticizing him. Let's face it. Let's be honest. Uh, the South Carolina primary is tomorrow. Mickey Haley is going to get crushed. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a bloodbath. I don't know why she's saying in the race, other than my theory is that the establishment of the Republican Party, the same elites that she keeps criticizing— I'm telling you, there are no elites here. This is as grassroots as you get. A lot of the speakers and other people, they're outliers of the Republican Party. It's not the Republican mainstream. The Republican mainstream, the McConnells and the others, they're all the people that they want to make sure that that Donald Trump is stopped. They want to stop him, big time. They want to stop him because they know that he is a threat to everything that they are doing. And that's the reason. They want to keep Nikki Haley in the race. They keep her in the race from now until the convention, hoping that something occurs to Donald Trump and then, therefore, she becomes the last resort. I'm telling you right now, that's not going to happen. They're not going to pick Nikki Haley at the convention if that happens. She's burned too many bridges, she's made too many enemies. If something were to happen to Trump, and the only thing at this point that could happen is if he's eaten by a dinosaur or hit by a bus or something, because they're not going to put him away in jail. Nothing like that's happening. All the efforts that they're making to try to go after him in court are only helping him. But the establishment will not rest. They will not give it up. Remember, he is the threat to the swamp. He's the threat to the war in Ukraine and the, the funding of the military-industrial complex. All the clips we've been playing for you the last couple of days about all these people who have been saying, that money goes to America. You know, you, the, uh, the State Department's uh, or the Ukraine ambassador was going on about that money goes to make, you know, tanks in Michigan and bullets in Pennsylvania and this place and that place. It's something I talked to Chelsea Gabbard about. We'll play the interview at five o'clock. That's literally the confession that the money is going to fund the military industrial complex. This is the swamp and they want to eat and they love their steaks at the Capitol Grill, not the franchise, the original OG Capitol Grill in Capitol Hill. That's the one I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the one at the Cherry Hill Mall. I'm talking about the one in D.C. That one. But anyway, I digress. Senator Tim Scott put it best. Trump winning Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina should should be enough to send Nikki Haley the message and get her out. Take a listen.
3: Sorry, which cut is this?
0: Um, it's not labeled. Cut three. It's the one that says Senator Tim Scott. I literally just read it. I read the description of the clip. Senator,
9: how much does Donald Trump have to win by on Saturday to prove that Nikki Haley is not a contender?
2: Well, that's a good question, honestly. Let me think about that. If you won in Iowa, you won in New Hampshire, and you win in South Carolina, and every poll going forward says she can't win, I think a win would be sufficient, but I would expect a 20-point-plus win in the home state where she was the governor and a state representative. If that doesn't send a clear message, I'm not sure what does. Senator, the
0: Yeah, that's the clear message right there that needs to be sent, the clear message. Because otherwise, if you don't send that clear message, uh, or I should say if the message is sent but she doesn't receive it, what are you going to do? I mean, the, the bottom line here, the reality is, and you know this and I know this, is that if Nikki Haley was not being propped up by the establishment, she would be out of money by now. Money is the mother's milk of politics. Without it, you can't run. You don't have a race. You don't have a campaign. Money is the mother's milk. And that's the only reason why she's even in the— She's not—look, she's she's viable in the sense that she's able to cash checks. She's not viable in the sense that she can win, because she can't. But if the consultants can eat, if the consultants can get paid, if the consultants can get fed, well, then that's enough, and they'll keep sending Nikki Haley the money. And that's what's happening, and that's what you're seeing play out. But I'm telling you right now, there's no love for Nikki Haley at CPAC. And we're talking about thousands and thousands of grassroots conservatives who are here from really all around the country. It's not just our region, but all around the country. There's no love here for her. It's not even a question. I mean, if tomorrow Trump decided I'm out of the race, they would not, they would not go with Nikki Haley. No chance. There's other people they would. They'd probably try to recruit Ron DeSantis to get back in. Or maybe they'd back Tim Scott or something, but they there's no 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 no. She's burnt too many bridges. But in in the spirit now of will the Democrats try to get rid of Joe Biden, will they try to dump him and get rid of him so that they can find a replacement? Crazy Lawrence O'Donnell. Stop the hammering. Stop the hammering that lunatic, that guy. He was going on and yelling about his fellow Democrats who were questioning Joe Biden's mental fitness. So on his platform, the last word. And again, I'm, I'm playing this for you. It's painful to listen to because it's important for you to know what's happening right now. This is confirming my theory. My theory is that the effort is a full on effort to get rid of Joe Biden. And there are forces now that are within the Biden camp that are trying to fight this. But. The fact that this fight is playing out, the fact that you've got people on Morning Joe saying this, you've got you've got Federer person saying this on Morning Joe. You've got crazy Lawrence O'Donnell saying this on MSNBC proves to you that I'm right, that there is a fight right now to try to get Joe Biden off the ballot. I'm not making this up. I'm not crazy here. They want this old codger gone. They need him gone because he's going to lose to Trump. So here's crazy Lawrence O'Donnell. It's not labeled, but it's, but go here, go with this one, Henry, the clip that starts with Lawrence O'Donnell. Take a listen.
3: All of the people who suggest that Biden should step aside because they want the Democrats to win are basing that strategy on the notion that Joe Biden is just too old. And the notion that Joe Biden is too old is based on a complete and utter misunderstanding of the work of the presidency the job is to make decisions not speeches history writes about the decisions that's what matters if you have worked in government you know that because speech making is the only thing that the news media is allowed to watch in a presidency the news media insists but that must be important. It's just like the Super Bowl. You can remember what Patrick Mahomes did on the field, but you can't remember a word of his speech. And that's for very good reason. The job is on the field. Everyone who sees Joe Biden doing his job behind closed doors believes he is fully All right, that's capable enough, to
0: do Enough, enough, enough of you, you crazy lunatic. All I'm, I'm, my point here is very simple. The battle is on. The battle is on to remove him. And it is playing out in real time. They keep acting like Joe Biden's age is not an issue. I've told you before, his age is not an issue. It's not his age. Age is a number. It's his mental fitness that's the issue. It's not the age. Biden is a bad 82 years old. He's bad. And he's lost it. And that's the problem for them. It's not his age. It's not like Americans are not ageist. Uh, Unfortunately, people believe that America is an ageist country. America is not ageist. They just know that he's insane. They, I mean, not insane, but he's lost his mind. That's the problem. That's the reality here. That's what's, that's what's playing out on the world stage. But, but but Joe Biden is making sure that the military-industrial complex eats. And that is where the fight is coming from. Because they know that whoever replaces him has to ensure that as well. So let me play out a scenario for you. Let's pretend like this happens, all right? Let's say Joe Biden turns to... Nikki Haley says, or not Nikki Haley, I mean, Kamala Harrison says, all right, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm too old. I back you, but we're going to have an open Democrat primary. There's no way they can risk that. Could you imagine Bernie Sanders gets in there? He ends the war in Ukraine. He does. Before Bernie Sanders started voting for it, he was one of the senators who wrote that letter who said the war in Ukraine, we should not be funding that war. We should not be doing that. Now, of course, Bernie Sanders is doing what the party line is. But if he actually got in there? Oh, no, no, he would not. He would not let that happen. They can't risk that. Or they can't risk that RFK Jr. says, all right, I'll run as a Democrat. Biden just announced 500 new sanctions against Russia after Navalny's death. I'm telling you right now, this is the biggest Fugazi story of the day. There's no sanctions against Russia. We are doing more to help Russia. Right now, this president is doing more to help Russia than you could ever possibly imagine. Just number one, by ending the liquid natural gas exports from the United States of America. Joe Biden mumbled something. We have that clip, right, of him, uh, what he said. So this, this tells you everything, right? He, he comes out, he reads something off a teleprompter, and he wanted to wait until the press leaves the room. I'm not sure how great the audio is on this, but this is what Biden said. He, can, he says it out, wait till the press leaves the room. Don't ask me any actual questions in front of the press because Biden doesn't know what the hell he's saying. He doesn't know how to answer any of these things. He can only, this is why he can't debate. You know he can't debate. You imagine him on stage having to answer a question he doesn't have the answer to. I mean they'll try a little earpiece in his ear, but Biden goes off script and he says crazy stupid things and he doesn't even understand the policies that he's rolling out. But, so take a listen to this. Thank you for yeah, wait till the pre- wait till the press leaves the room. Wait till the press leaves the room. All right, we are live from Radio Row. We have a super very, very special guest coming up. I'm so excited to have her join us. I'm not gonna tell you who it is yet. I'll keep it as a surprise till we get back from the break, just to keep you guessing as we go through the break. Uh eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you'd like to weigh in today. Um, I wanna tell you about who am I telling you about, Henry? What am I saying here? You're who am done. I talking about? I'm done. I did it? Wow, that's great. We can take an actual break. We'll be right back.
4: The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
0: All right, we are live at Radio Row at CPAC 2024. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for being with us. We are live. We are local. So last night we were at the uh, hotel bar, one of them, in the Gaylord. We're at the Gaylord National Conference Center. This place is 452 million square feet, I think. Is that probably about right? That's right. I think. By the way, if you put the headphones on, you might hear less background noise, it might make it easier. Um, So I'm over there and I see uh, this beautiful woman across the bar and I said, wow, it looks a lot like Naomi Wolf and it turns out it was Naomi Wolf. (laughs) How are you? Good, how are you? Good to see you. Thank you. Um, Thanks for making time today. You you were drinking martinis last night, huh? Yes. It is so true. I was. You know, on an empty stomach. I didn't plan
1: it that way, (laughs) things just happened.
0: (laughs) You know, I, I always advise people, try to avoid the martinis. It, it kind of follows you the next day. I'm a red wine guy myself. You yeah, know?
1: that's why. But the
0: espresso martinis are all the rage now.
1: I didn't go that far. This was a straight-up James Bond, you know, wow. shake-and-not-stirred olive martini. Did you literally order
0: it shaken not stirred
1: No, I'm not that pretentious, but oh. <laughs> it's like old-school martinis. But I was with these guys, you know, A.J., my publicist, and yep. others I won't name without their permission, and my husband, who's Irish, as he likes to say, and they just, you know, were partying. And it's like, it's been a tough couple of years. Yeah, so, it has been. I, you know, I got... I got two martinis down and had to call it a night.
0: Yeah. You know, so all right, So let me uh, give a little bit of your background to the audience because so everybody knows who you are, but um, the New York Times named her book, The Beauty Myth, one of the 70 most, in, most influential books of the 20th century. Uh, you have a doctorate from Ar- Oxford, and um, at one point you were hailed as a feminist icon until you dared to question COVID vaccines. Right. In which case then you were effectively canceled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happened.
1: Um, it's crazy. I, you know, I've written eight bestsellers. Two of them about women's health and sexual and reproductive health, and it's a beat that people expect me to cover. Uh, but the world changed overnight in 2020, and. Um, <clears> There's <throat> Background noise. Could I trouble? So oh, something. here you go. Thank you. You're and so I uh, was simply noting on Twitter in about June of 2021 that women were reporting menstrual problems upon having received these mRNA injections, and that's a red. I mean, that's a a sign of something wrong. If you have menstrual problems in 2021, there are going to be fertility problems in 2023, 2024, which is exactly what we're seeing, a 13 to 20% drop in live births. Anyway, I just noted this, and I was deplatformed from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everything all at once, and there was a global smear campaign that also launched, and uh, and I was a non-person. On the left, the legacy media, where I'd been, you know, a commentator and on every show, every newspaper for 35 years. Uh, overnight I was a non person. And what was interesting and kind of beautiful after that is that the people who did want to talk to me were conservatives and libertarians who actually cared about babies and women. And um, that started a journey of realizing that a lot of the things I believed were true were not true. Actually, a uh, Chapter in my latest book, Facing the Beast, is Dear Conservatives, I apologize for all the nonsense that I believe that is not true. I still consider myself a classical liberal, but the world that I believed in doesn't exist. Yeah. And all the people who are supposed to care about women being hurt, you know, brown and black children losing um, access to good educations and lockdowns, uh, massive transfer of wealth from the middle class and the working class to a handful of rich people. Through lockdowns, um, you know, women's reproductive health, all the "My Body, My Choice" people—they ha- have been silent in the horrors that unfolded in the last three years. So I, I am politically homeless, but I'm really happy to have a lot of new friends, like all of you here at
0: CPAC. Well, we're happy to have you. I mean, first of all, classical liberalism is what guided Thomas Jefferson. I mean, I consider myself to be a classical liberal. The problem is that today's left is ill liberal and that's what they are there there's no uh, opportunities for debate and discourse and right. discussion you have to toe the party line in the narrative and they're about controlling people and controlling narratives and they are about shutting down free speech it's ill liberal
1: yeah i i didn't think all of that was true until it until i witnessed it you're right i mean You know, let's just take one example. And I wish it wasn't true. I mean, let me give you multiple examples. Sure. I run a website called Daily Clout, which you um, may have kindly mentioned in your intro. And we want to showcase civil disagreement because that's a really important part of having a democracy. People who don't agree with each other talking to each other and hashing it out and, you know, letting the person listening decide what they think, um, what he or she thinks. So we keep running... um, piece is critical of the green narrative, but we can't get any liberal or left-wing environmentalists to come on and engage with these very substantive critiques. We can't get them to come on. They won't come on. Same thing with pro-choice, pro-life. You know, we can't get the pro-choicers to come on and debate or discuss things with pro-life people. Um, they just won't do it. We're, we're trying all the time. And that's a Depressing outcome. Um, We've got people critical of uh, the sexual, what they see as the sexualization of uh, kids in school and the kind of trans um, discourse in middle school and and so on. We can't get supporters of the LGBTQ community to to come engage with this, right? So it it is disappointing. And just witnessing, I write about this a lot in Facing the Beast, trying to talk to my own friends and loved ones or former friends because I lost a lot of friends. The minute I bring up a fact, they will walk out of the room, or or just say, "I'm not going to go. I'm not going to discuss this. I'm not going there." Like they'll just cut off the debate in a way that they never used to. Um, Another example: it's just so tragic. Is overnight in New York City, where I used to live, a a two-tier society got decreed during um, the pandemic, quote unquote, in which I, being unvaccinated, thank God can't go couldn't go into a restaurant and eat a meal with my kids um, I wasn't allowed I had to eat in the street like an animal and I you know I could in Great Barrington near where we live upstate i couldn't go into the synagogue they wouldn't have unvaccinated people in the synagogue i couldn 't worship um, i couldn't I I couldn't be part of the community Uh, in the Catholic church up the street. Because at this point, I'm like, I don't care where I worship. Anyone (laughs) that will let me in the door, I'll worship. (laughs) So I asked, I tried to go to the Catholic um, church. And they won't, they they were seating unvaccinated people in a separate section from the vaccinated parishioners. And they wouldn't let the unvaccinated have the kiss of peace. Right? So it was lunacy. And my liberal tribe who believe that they, that you guys are the haters, right? Right. You're the racists, you're the sexists and the transphobes. My right on community that think that support gay marriage and would never discriminate against someone because they're black or lesbian or homosexual, they had no problem, no problem with a two tier society erected overnight in which some people were just more equal than others. They went right along with it. so that's these are painful things to have witnessed and they're they're not behind us. Like we as Americans will always have these scars in our history and these people want to now move past it, quote unquote, yeah. and have amnesty. Right. It's like no. Do you remember yeah. that article? We need oh, amnesty for the
0: pandemic. Oh, that?
1: Oh, how can I forget?
0: What they did to our kids, what they did to our civil liberties, the way that they treated us. Criminals. And and so 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 to the point of your of your former tribe. What the hell ever happened to My Body, My Choice? Thank you.
1: I've got a chapter on that too in Facing the Beast. Exactly. I mean, the same Supreme Court justices, um, Supreme Court uh, Justice Kagan and Sotomayor, who argued persuasively and eloquently about My Body, My Choice in one session about abortion rights, it went 180 degrees in the other direction when it came to supporting mandates. Vaccine mandates, and they don't see like what, where did all these expensive educations go? What happened to the Kantian imperative? You know, what happened to consistency of logic? Um, They were absolutely. These people are absolutely fine violating many laws, including the Nuremberg, uh, the Nuremberg Code, Um, and they they are absolutely fine forgetting that the same arguments that we believe, like my body, my choice, since I was 15 years old, I believe that. How can I, how am I a crazy anti-vaxxer if I continue to believe it when it comes to, I don't want you making decisions about my uterus, I don't want you making decisions about what goes into my bloodstream, right? It's my body, but no, like there was no shame about the lack of consistency.
0: The fact that you mentioned Immanuel Kant, wonderful, by the way, one of my favorite philosophers. But, uh, yeah, and you know, what's interesting, too, about that is that in in addition to the the idea that you don't have any control over your own body, except for abortion, that's it. You even have the American Civil Liberties Union. This is when I knew that we had really jumped the shark. The ACLU, remember when they published that op-ed? In support of the vaccine mandate. I do remember. I mean, I I, I still remember this day like it was yesterday, you know? And I thought to myself, and we've come to a place where a group, the so called American Civil Liberties Union, is now agreeing with the government enforcing you getting an injection of something that you may not want in order to enjoy liberty. Right. I mean, could they not have been more exposed at that moment as, as a fraud group, right?
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, it was it was horrifying. I kept waiting. I remember I kept waiting like like in those old-fashioned Westerns where, you know, the cavalry comes at the last minute to save everybody. Yeah. I kept waiting for the ACLU to swoop in and say, no, 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 you can't do this. We're going to, you know, sue these people. You're safe in your homes. It's a violation of so many amendments. It's a violation of the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment. Right. Um, no, they were, they were totally colluding and... My book, *The Bodies of Others*, which is a prequel to *Facing the Beast*, traces the money flow from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and then from the CARES Act to these organizations. And they took the money, and the legacy media took the money, sure. and then
0: parroted. How that many line. Pfizer ads did you hear on a daily basis from on on the big media corporate you know stations, radio, TV? I mean, uh, all over, right? I mean, right. it was, and this is why you could not have any debate or engagement or anything on this subject because of the fact that they were all taking money from Big Pharma. And Absolutely. the power of Big Pharma was so exposed here in all of this. Absolutely right. Um, and it came
1: from the top, right? Like, my deplatforming turned out to have been uh, requested by the White House. Um, two lawsuits by uh, two attorneys general, uh, have re- Missouri versus Biden, have revealed that it was the White House instructing illegally instructing uh, Twitter and Facebook to de-platform me, yeah. you know, my tweet is in the findings. Yeah. It's so scary. This was an administration I'd voted for, you know, and, and my president, can you imagine the feeling of finding out that your president and like Homeland Security and the US Bureau of the Census have lifted out your accurate tweet and put out a bolo, be on the lookout for me. You know, this tiny citizen using my First right. Amendment rights. It's terrifying. Um, One of their own. Yeah, no,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing about it. Is that, I mean, right. there's no... The, the left has become so incredibly intolerant. Naomi, I, and Naomi Wolf is with me. It's great to have you. I, I really love the fact that you're here. DailyCloud.io is the, is the website. I used to love political debates. I remember right. in college, you know, we'd sit around. I still like to do it. I love debating politics, but you can't do it anymore. I mean... I mean, do you try to get people on and they decline that you disagree with? Yeah, they won't. And, they won't. and uh, they'll insult your intelligence right away. That's no. number one. You know, they call you i I've a, noticed that. Right? You notice that? For, for, it's horrible. First and foremost on social media, it's the number one thing they do is insult your intelligence. It's true. Call you a conspiracy theorist, call you this. But also, too, I have a family member, of my, an in-law of mine, who had, literally since Trump became president... We're no longer friends. Like you can't be. You fr- can't be friends. Do you know with me, how many you know? times
1: I've heard that same story? Yeah. Like here, she can't and be friends everywhere. with me. Can't be friends with you. Like it's, it's insane. left you. No, broken up with you. It's happened to me as well, and to my husband. We got left out of family thanksgivings because uh, of our, I think, our vaccine status. But yeah, it, the the 2020 election. But why
0: were they so worried if they were vaccinated? Why were they so? And you know the reason why is because they deep down knew the lies that were told by the by. Rochelle Walensky, I mean, remember that she, she came out and said, That you cannot spread COVID if you have the vaccine, the the lie about transmissibility. That was a lie. Our government was lying to us. Lying to us. And at the very same time, they were lying to us. They were censoring people, anyone, who brought up even scientific data, Mm -hmm. like you did, Naomi. I mean, scientific data coming out of Europe and Israel and posting this stuff was considered to be misinformation, right? Disinformation. But Missouri v. Biden is going to be one of, I think, central cases the United States Supreme Court is going to hear in in, in generations. Because if the government can get away with censorship by proxy, the First Amendment
1: his dad. You're absolutely right. I mean if if they can get away with all of this, it's it's very terrifying because what I haven't, I think, mentioned yet is that um, I, I oversee a team of 3250 doctors and scientists who have gone through the Pfizer documents, are still going through them, released under court order, and found the greatest crime against humanity in recorded history. Pfizer knew this was a lethal, sterilizing, disabling injection is the shorthand. And and the White House knew. And, you know, we FOIAed uh, emails from the White House and Dr. Walensky, Dr. Fauci. They're all freaking out in April of 2021 because Israel, the Israeli Ministry of Health was telling them, and pediatricians organizations were telling them, young people are getting myocarditis from this injection. Right. Instead of coming clean with the American people, there's this frenzy to cover it up, you know? And this is, goes right up to the White House, to the president. POTUS gets the template of this sure. these meetings. Um, so they allowed or uh, spearheaded a murderous and sterilizing assault on the American people. Um, my research has found that it was China that formulated this injection, owns the IP of the injection, opened manufacturing plants in Western Europe and the United States for this injection. It's a bioweapon and it's doing exactly what Pfizer and China knew it would do. It's disabling and killing and sterilizing Americans. Um, even as our southern border is open and millions of people of childbearing and fighting age are coming in who are not vaccinated, right?
0: Yeah, isn't that funny how you don't have to be vaccinated to cross the southern border illegally, but, uh, you know, your team has given me the the high sign. I know you have to run, but um, I do want to mention your site, and I think it's great. I I love that you just want to engage in debate. Thank you. I think it's important. It's so important. We never know if we're right unless we can debate these things. Totally,
1: and we learn so much by hearing the arguments of other people.
0: And look, you know, I mean... The point of science is to test. And find out the truth. If you can't do that, you never get to the truth. And that this is, whether it's, I think, whether, I think climate change is part of this too. I mean, I am very skeptical of the of the government's agenda on climate change. Um, I think they use it for economic purposes. But if you notice, scientists can't debate that either. You'll lose your funding. Right. You know, if you don't come out and say the, the, the narrative on climate change, you will lose your funding, right. you'll be ostracized. It's, it, it really, there's a lot of similarities here. With both very medieval. Subjects. Yeah. I mean, I would bring back tar and feathering. Right. I mean, it'd be fun. You know what I mean? And I'm sure with, uh, after drinking with some martinis, you could have used a little tar and feathering, right? You just gotta, you know. Uh, it was nice to see you. You too. Thank you Thanks so much. for coming on the show. DailyCloud.io, Naomi Wolf. Keep up the good fight. Thank you so All much. Right? I appreciate that. Welcome welcome to uh, Liberty.
1: Yeah, it's good out,
0: it's good out here. Right? Yeah, it's good. Thank good you. you. All right, live from Radio Row, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. We'll be coming right back.
4: Thanks for listening to The Only Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
0: Oh, son of a... I was looking at the programming schedule for next week, gentlemen. There's no basketball all next week. Uh, Son of a... I could use an easy day. Oh, man. After this?
9: (laughs) Maybe we could... Email Temple and see if they want to
0: schedule something. Yeah, how about Women's Highlight? We haven't had a good Women's Highlight game in a while, Just a rec game. We'll take a rec game. We'll take a rec game. rec game would be fine, right? Uh, We've got some great guests coming up. Obviously, we'll play the interview with Tulsi Gabbard at five. Uh, Tanya Gould is a uh, human trafficking survivor. She's now at the Virginia Attorney General's Office. She's going to stop by. Hans von Spokarfsky is one of the greatest legal minds out there. I'm going to get his opinion on all the Trump cases. Uh, And who knows what other hilarity and uh, craziness will ensue between now and 7 o'clock tonight. But it's great to be with you. Live on Radio Row at CPAC. Uh, The Italian Stallion himself, Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. He's had it. He's had it with these high-priced liberal states. The Italian stallion. And you know what? The Italian stallion tends to keep on going and going and going. But eventually all Italian stallions have their breaking point. And for Sly, it's enough. Enough of the liberalism. Enough. Take a listen.
8: After long, hard consideration, your mother and I have decided it's time to move on and leave the state of California permanently. And we're going to go to Florida. We're going to sell this house.
6: What? What? Yeah. Is this a joke?
8: It's not a joke at all. So
6: full
0: time. No L.A. time. Full time.
8: We already have the place. It's a done deal.
0: It's a done deal. It's a done deal. The, the, the Italian stallion is out. I don't blame him. Look, I mean, this is what seems to be a pattern, right? These celebrities who have had it with California, and they've had it with the crime, and they've, they've had it. Who was just criticizing San Francisco the other day? Now I can't remember. Um, I think we had the clip, and then we forgot to play it because we got distracted by something. Uh, it was Charles, Bar- Charles Barkley. Barkley was criticizing San Francisco for being an absolute asshole at this point. Um, but here's the thing, and I, I, there is a um, breaking news story here, New York Post reporting, A high-altitude balloon of unknown origin is now flying over the western United States. This is literally a breaking news story right on the show. A high-altitude balloon of unknown origin is being tracked by the U.S. government. The balloon is currently flying over the western regions of the country. Military aircraft have determined that it is not a threat. But the purpose of the balloon is unclear. The post has reached out to the Pentagon for comment. This is a developing story. So we'll keep, you, we'll keep you focused on that. We'll keep you updated on that as this goes on. I wonder if it's another Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, we're, really, we're really doing this again? Another balloon? Yeah. <laughs> do you, but I thought, we, I thought we blew it up.
3: Right, after like hours of deliberation. It's just like, what, what are we get, doing here? Do we
0: need to get Mama Zioli involved here again? Can we get Mama <laughs> Zioli back on the ground? Do I have to hire her again as a special correspondent for the show? I think they're blowing it up. Yeah, well, we're, well, we're going to have to blow this one up, too, Mom. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Oh, you know what they're playing? I know what they're playing over there. As I heard Trump speaking. He's doing a rally live in South Carolina right now. That's what's being played at CPAC right now on the, um, on the big jumbotron over there. I was wondering where his voice was coming from. That's what that is over there. Um, the other big story of the day today is that cell phone records appear to throw a huge wrench in testimonies of Nathan Wade and who's uh, Gumata Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia. You know, their, their whole thing about their affair, and again, look, I don't really care what consenting adults do, but the point is when those consenting adults do it and it leads to a massive conflict of interest, we're trying to prosecute the former president of the United States of America, and then using that money for financial gain and personal gain and love trips, I have a problem with that. See, that's where you lose me. That's where you lose me and I start to say, you know what, now you've crossed the line, And now this is rife for public scrutiny because she brought on her boyfriend who was not up for the job. Nathan Wade should not have been brought on as that prosecutor. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm happy he was because he's not good at this. But as the district attorney of Fulton County, Fawny Willis had an obligation to her office and to her county to bring on the best prosecutor possible. If you're going to go after the former president on RICO conspiracy charges that he was trying to steal the 2020 Georgia election. you got to bring on a prosecutor who is, who's got experience in bringing uh, in RICO cases, racketeering organized crime cases that they used to go after cartels, the mafia, complicated money laundering schemes, the Biden crime family. You don't get a guy who was doing municipal parking tickets in, uh, in, in the town over, a guy who was dealing with, you know, meters. But that's who she brought on. She brought on her boyfriend. Well, the cell phone records show... And there's a whole lot more to the story than meets the eye. And that this affair was going on well before she actually hired him, which contradicts the testimony on the stand, which also means that they've perjured themselves. And the case against Trump in Georgia, goodbye, it's over, goodbye, good night, and that's the end of that. So I'll get into that with you a little bit later in the show. Also, too, if you're worried about election integrity in Pennsylvania, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for one minute. United States appeals court is going to decide if Pennsylvania mail-in ballots with the wrong date still count and the lead up to the 2024 election. Look, again, we can we can we don't have to worry about dead people voting in Philadelphia and cheating and dominion and voting machines and everything like this, because what we know, what is a verifiable fact what is not a a subject of of conspiracy or a subject of scrutiny, what is an undeniable fact is that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court interfered in the 2020 election. It's not an opinion. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not something I can get sued for defamation over. They did. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court intervened in the 2020 election, and they interfered in that election by usurping the law of Pennsylvania passed by the legislature and extending the deadline for mail-in ballots to that Friday and say that the ballots don't have to be postmarked. The postmark doesn't have to be legible. And even if they're received after election day, they have to be counted. And whether or not they were signed and dated as per the law, that was irrelevant too. They had to be counted. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court absolutely committed election interference against Donald Trump. That's 100% certain. You don't have to debate any other issue, just that, because Pennsylvania was the key to 2020. And the court got involved, and the court usurped the will of the legislature. But it's not over yet. We're not done. We're not, we have not fixed this problem yet. And a federal appeals court must now decide if Pennsylvania voters need, this is an, I'm not even joking, this is an actual thing, need to put accurate, handwritten dates on the outside envelopes of their mail-in ballots for the votes to count. A dispute with implications for this year's presidential contest. The Third Circuit Court of Appeals held oral arguments in Philadelphia Tuesday over a district judge's ruling in November. But even without the proper dates, mail-in ballots should be counted if they are received in time. Ari Savitsky, a lawyer at the American Civil Liberties Union representing several voter groups, told the court more than 10,000 ballots in Pennsylvania were disqualified in 2022 based on what he called a meaningless paperwork error. He argued that the materiality provision of the 1964 Civil Rights Act was designed to prevent that. An immaterial mistake on a piece of paperwork doesn't go to the deficiency or validity of the ballot itself, he argued before the three-judge panel. (laughs) U.S. Circuit Court Judge Cindy Chung, who was appointed to the bench by President Joe Biden, asked where judges should draw the line between meaningless and material errors that can render the ballots invalid. I got an idea. How about this? How about you go with what the law is? How about you go with what the law is? And you don't try to skirt around the law because you know that those ballots are going to help Democrats. And the reason why I know it's going to help Democrats is because Democrats, if you're voting for a Democrat... especially now, you're an idiot and you don't know how to do a mail-in ballot properly. Am I right, Matt DeSantis? You're an idiot. (laughs) So that's why you can't fill out a a ballot properly, because you're a freaking moron. Why are you looking at me when
9: you say, I didn't do it.
0: I'm just asking you to confirm my analysis. No, I agree with you. If you have not left the Democrat Party by now, you don't love this country. That's why my next guest did leave the Democrat Party, for love of country. (laughs) And for love of me, by the way. I'm just saying... Anyway, this is, this is what the U.S. Circuit Court judge said. Judge John M. Gore, representing state and national Republican groups, challenging a district court ruling last year, said, the right to vote is not denied when the state qualifies someone to vote, sends them a ballot, and then rejects the ballot because they failed to follow Pennsylvania law. Well, that's right. If you don't follow the law, then that's on you. That's on you. But again, my point is this the people that would be so-called disenfranchised here are idiots who are voting for Democrats. And that's why the court is trying to turn around and make those ballots count because these are not people voting for Republicans because if they were voting for Republicans, they'd be smart enough to actually follow the instructions on the ballot. It's not hidden. It's not invisible ink. You don't have to use a flashlight, hold up a flashlight to it to see how how to properly do the instructions on the ballot. It's all right there for you. You just have to not be an imbecile. But if you're an imbecile, you're voting for a Democrat, especially in this day and age. Let's just, be, let's just call what it is. Call what it is. Say it. So the question, of course, then, is in Pennsylvania, Democrats have—listen to this now. This is it. In Pennsylvania, Democrats have been far more likely to vote by mail than Republicans under an expansion of mail-in ballots enacted in 2019. Republican lawmakers agreed to change in exchange for an end to straight party voting when they saw a long-time Democratic advantage. In 2022, about 1.2 million Pennsylvanians voted by mail. Look, I've said this before, and this is a separate matter. Republicans, you either embrace mail-in balloting and early voting or you do so at your peril because you will wind up losing. That is the fact. That is the reality. You either embrace it or you're done. It, is, it has to happen that way, period. If they don't do that, they're going to lose. All the other stuff in the background is noise. It's just noise. And I know you don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. That's not the point. The point is, if you don't embrace it, the Democrats are going to continue to use this advantage. But that's separate from this issue. This issue is the fact that now the Democrats are trying to say it is a violation of the Federal Civil Rights Act if they throw out the ballot of a moron who couldn't read the instructions and fill out the ballot properly. That's not a violation of their civil rights. If you're an idiot, you don't know how to fill out a ballot. That's not. Nobody's violating your civil rights. You had the opportunity. You had the opportunity to, to vote. ballot was right there. All you had to do was fill it out properly. That's the key, properly. U.S. District Judge, and Henry, just let me know my out time here, okay? U.S. District Judge Susan Paradise Baxter, a Trump appointee, ruled last year the county boards of election may no longer reject mail ballots that lack accurate handwritten dates on their return envelopes. She said the date, mandated by state law, is irrelevant in helping election officials decide whether the ballot was received in time or whether the voter is disqualified to cast the ballot. How is it irrelevant if the law in Pennsylvania says that the date has to be there? It's not irrelevant. Judges don't get to just make decisions like that. If Governor Josh Shapiro and the Pennsylvania legislature feel it's it's irrelevant, then they should change the law. Amazing how that works, right? There's a process by which they could change the law if they feel that it's irrelevant. But judges don't get the right to just turn around and do that on their own. That's not how it works. But they're still trying this crap now. They're still trying this crap out now. The Pennsylvania groups challenging the date mandate argue it allows the state to disenfranchise voters over meaningless mistakes. Hey, listen, if I'm driving to a polling place, if I'm driving to vote, and I make the mistake of going through the McDonald's drive-thru on my way there, and I'm 10 minutes late and the polls closed, have my civil rights been violated? (laughs) No, because I'm the one who made the mistake of going through the drive-thru before I went to vote. The only way my civil rights are violated is if, if I get there and they trick me and put up signs that say, vote over there, and they point me to a firehouse, and that's not actually where the voting's taking place. If, I, if I'm driving home and I'm hit, I hit traffic because I didn't leave the office in time, I haven't, my civil rights are not violated if they close the polling place at 8 p.m., because that's what the law says, the, the polls close at 8 p.m. But again, part and parcel from that separate issue is the fact that we, this is why Republicans need to embrace mail-in voting, early voting, absentee voting, drop boxes, all the things the Democrats do, because these things are not going away. And you don't want to leave any excuses out there. You don't want to leave anything in the locker room, as they say. you got to make sure that everybody gets to vote. So don't take any chances on weather. Don't take any chances on some fatty going through the drive-thru on the way over there. Tubby person. Sorry, I'm trying to fat shame. Sorry. For the record, Matt DeSantis went to McDonald's last night through the drive-thru. I did. It Just pointing was that out. delicious. And you're not fat. So, and I was a fat kid, so I can say that. I'm still grandfathered in. You don't leave anything a chance. But it doesn't change the fact that if I get there and the polling place is closed because it's, four, it's eight, 8 o'clock or 8.05, I'm not disenfranchised. The law is the law. I have to make the appropriate arrangements to go vote. Just like you got to make the appropriate arrangements if you vote by mail to make sure that your ballot is actually filled out properly. That's not that complicated. So there you go. And, I, and I, um, I hope that the court will rule properly. And we'll talk to Hans, von Spokarovsky about that a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, the interview you've all been waiting for with my friend and potential vice presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, the one and only, straight ahead, live from CPAC.
4: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. OGL hd 3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is The Drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zoli.
0: All right, it is such an honor to have on the show. Uh I'm so happy right now. Four-term congresswoman, 2020 presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, a combat veteran, multiple deployments to the Middle East, currently serving as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Her first book, For the Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, is on sale now. It's bookstores this April. Pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Tulsi Gabbard, it's so great to see you, my friend. Aloha. I know. Aloha. I
10: feel like we're already friends. I've heard your voice over the phone so many times. Um, And just appreciate you and, and the heart and concern you've shown, not only for me, but really for our people out there in Hawaii. Well, absolutely. And
0: you are serving our country. Thank you for that. I'm grateful. For your continued service. And you're uh, you're fighting a good fight here. I know you were on stage today at CPAC talking about the fight against globalism, talking about the threats to America. Yeah. What are the biggest threats to America right now?
10: You know, the biggest threat is actually coming from within. It's, it's coming from within in those who have no qualms about destroying our democracy, taking away our freedom as they pursue power. That's really what it comes down to. We have the Democrat elite, we've got the Washington establishment who are terrified of a free people, a free society, those of us who think for ourselves and will make our own decisions, that they're trying to control everything. They're trying to control who we are allowed to vote for to be our next president and commander in chief. They are trying to control the information we are allowed to see. They're trying to control the things that we're allowed to say, not only through themselves, but indirectly through their friends in big tech and social media. So those who are paying attention are seeing this. There's a lot of Americans who are just living their lives. They're you know, going to work. They're trying to make sure that they can raise their kids in a, in a good, safe community. They may not be able to see all of the things that those of us, like you and I, who are right. plugged in watching this stuff every day, and so... It's for them that I wrote my book, For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, uh, because as someone who was a Democrat for almost 20 years, I've seen a lot, I've learned a lot, experienced a lot, and have never been more concerned for our Democratic Republic than I am right now. This is a pivotal election uh, that every American needs to recognize our responsibility to to save our country.
0: And you don't say... Why I left the Democrat Party, which you did, but you say, leave the Democrat Party. You yeah. want to save America? Leave the Democrat Party. Unfortunately. That's a powerful message.
10: It is a powerful message, and it's not one that I, I deliver lightly. I, I, I was in the Democratic Party. I was a vice chair of the DNC. I was a member of Congress for eight years. I ran in the, the Democratic presidential primary in 2020. I, I did everything I could To try, in in the hopes of bringing about some change to the party leadership, in the hopes of redirecting the party's focus back to its roots and its foundation, the reason why I joined the party when I was 21 years old, bringing it back to a place of being a party of the people. A party that actually wanted to bring Martin Luther King's vision to reality of of stopping this judgment of people based on race, but judge each other as individuals based on our character. A party that was a big tent party that celebrated free speech, that celebrated the protection of civil liberties. A party that said, we shouldn't go to war unless we should absolutely have to. That party is unrecognizable. Uh, I saw going through those elections that uh, when I brought these issues up as I am to you now on the debate stage in 2020, I was booed by those who were there. People who uh, I remember one in particular where Kamala Harris's biggest criticism of me was that I went on Fox News and that I had the audacity to criticize some of President Obama's policies. Uh, my interest has always been about putting the American people first, putting our country first. And when we have leaders, even when they're in my own party, who are not doing that, it's my responsibility to speak up. When we have people who care more about power than they do about the people, we cannot allow them to stay in power. And that's really the bottom line about what's at stake in this election. We need to hold our leaders accountable and elect leaders who respect the American people, who respect our freedom, and who value their oath and and commitment to uphold the Constitution.
0: I mean, here we are at CPAC, and you're a rock star. There's a whole group of people here who would love to see you. You got a big, rousing uh, standing ovation inside the room. You were just with Steve Bannon a short time ago. You join a long list of people who decided the Democrat Party was wrong. Ronald Reagan, my hero, President Trump. Have any of your philosophies changed in the last couple of years?
10: Um, over time, yeah. yeah. I think there are a few things where, where the more I have seen uh, the truth and learned things that I didn't know before, um, my views on some issues certainly have changed. And I think that's, that's important for us all to consider uh, is is to learn from our experiences, to be open to new knowledge, and to have conversations and engage with people who have a different view on things. Maybe you come away still feeling the way you did, or maybe you come away with some questions and some cause for for introspection. I think more than anything, my appreciation for the Constitution has grown stronger. Great. My understanding of our founders' intent in those founding documents and what they meant for us, uh, has increased. And, uh, you know, I, I have always been an independent minded person. I've always done my best to make decisions based on what's best for the American people. Um, my foremost concern now is that our foundation is being eroded by those who are trying to come onto power and will stop at nothing in order to accomplish their goals. That, it's a very dangerous thing um, that if we don't take action in this election specifically, I, I am very concerned that we will see changes that will become irreversible and this country that we know and love will become unrecognizable.
0: For love of country, leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has become the party of war. Yeah. And the war machine is humming along. And, you know, I listen to all their nonsense about sending $60 billion to Ukraine. That's going directly to the defense industrial complex right here in America.
10: And they it's celebrate so that, by the way. Right. They, this I just listened uh, yesterday. There was an interview on Fox News with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. And she parroted the same line I've heard from President Biden and Kamala Harris and other talking heads within the Democrat Party celebrating that fact as though it's a good thing. They're saying, hey, don't don't worry, American taxpayer, about sending another six billion dollars because actually money that's staying here at home, eating into. Military industrial complex. It's a job creation strategy. Right. It's such crap. And and the fact that they're proud of this should be very concerning, by the way, as they're saying it's creating jobs. Of that $60 billion, how much of that, Rich, would you say actually goes into the pocket of a guy working in a factory in rural Pennsylvania?
0: A lot less than the lobbyists in the swamp.
10: Exactly, Mm -hmm. a lot less than the corporate bosses Mm -hmm. that those lobbyists work for, people who make billions of dollars of profits on the backs of our troops, on the backs of hardworking Americans. It, I, I am personally offended every time I hear them making that argument. Why don't you go and create jobs that actually strengthen our infrastructure, that strengthen uh, uh, you know, the domestic manufacturing industry, bringing that back to life? Why don't you bring real value to our communities rather than selling us a, a quote-unquote economic package with the aim of fueling yet another destructive war mm-hmm. that does not serve our interests? that undermines our national security interests. There is no part of what they are doing that helps us. Tulsi
0: Gabbard, I'm so happy to hear you say that because you love this country. You you are a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Yes. You care about national security and you get it because this is not about national security. We have a white border. We have an invasion going on. Right now, we don't know who's coming over here.
10: Yeah. It's it's such a serious issue and, and, you know, I I understand and can empathize that there are people who are suffering in their home countries and they're seeking a better life. The reality is that we as a country do not have the resources to take in every person in the world who is escaping suffering. We have a lot of suffering right here Mm -hmm. at home. We have a huge homeless problem in my home state of Hawaii. Many cities, both big cities and small towns, have increasing homeless rates, have increasing drug abuse, have increasing crime, unaffordable housing, unaffordable healthcare. There are so many challenges that we need to address here at home. The national security concern of having millions of people enter this country with no vetting whatsoever, they have identified amongst those they have apprehended people who are on the terrorist list, but what about the people they have not apprehended? What about those who they caught and released? There are so many people uh, coming into our country from countries around the world, people who we know are part of Islamist terrorist groups whose publicly stated objective is to create sleeper cells in our own country that will stand ready to activate at the direction of their leadership. This is a very serious concern uh, and one of the many reasons why we need leaders who, take, who will take immediate action to secure our borders.
0: And the Chinese nationals who are coming in as well, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, that's a major, major problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the weaponization of government. Yeah. You know, you talk about you, your you're really, your, I wouldn't say newfound, but your enhanced love of our Constitution. Mm-hmm. As you talk about in, for love of country, leave the Democrat Party behind, <coughs> your, your love of our Constitution, this is a weaponized government that is going against the chief political opponent of the president of the United yeah. States, using the actual national security powers that we gave them yeah. after 9-11 to bring down the leading presidential opponent of the president of the United States.
10: This is the kind of thing that leaders in our country from both parties have criticized, sanctioned, and attacked leaders of other countries for doing. Mm-hmm. This exact thing. Right. When yeah. you have a political individual and party in power, taking these tools and institutions of government and weaponizing them against their chief political opponent, we've, our country has gone to war with other countries over things like this. And yet this is what's happening right here at home. And this is why I focus on this in my book, For Love of Country. It's why I talk all the time about how we have to focus on the threat to our republic that is coming from within. Because this is a threat that will only be addressed and defeated by us. Those in power are terrified of the people. They're terrified of a free society because they know, even as we may sit at home and fret about how powerful they are and how much money they have. And they've got the mainstream media. They have all of these tools at their disposal. But all of them are terrified because they know when it comes right down to it, if we, the people, choose to exercise our power, they're gone. They're done. So we need to educate ourselves, inform ourselves, own the power that the founders in our founding documents gave to us Mm -hmm. to make sure that our government only exists with the consent of the governed. Well, if you're not happy with the government right now, take away your consent and choose leaders right. who will actually put the interests of the American people first. The answer is simple. Uh, it's a very realistic goal that we should have as a country. It's lifting our voices, it's exercising our right to vote, and it's holding our leaders accountable. That's all we got to do. That's it. That's it.
0: For love of country, you left the Democrat party. Did you get a lot of grief? I mean, you must have. I, I mean, your, your advice- They've been here, giving me
10: grief for a long time. Yeah. I mean the things Friends, that I'm, the things that I'm saying are not things that are. Uh, many of them are things that I have been focused on for quite some time. Um, but I think I think Republicans
0: should should salute you and applaud you and, and and welcome that and say you know it takes a lot for somebody to admit hey I was wrong I I, I I my my ideas in the past I was led down the wrong road I think that's incredible about growth and that's our job as people right to grow and to become. Better. It is. That's what we should it is. be doing.
10: It is in life, in relationships, uh-huh. in politics, uh, to recognize and see those opportunities for growth and to have the courage to stand up uh, and speak the truth. Uh, there are things that I have learned and and, and, uh, and, and experienced that growth on, but I got to tell you a lot of it has been the extreme direction that the Democratic Party has taken. Uh, My fundamental values really haven't shifted. It's the Democratic Party that has uprooted itself from those fundamental values that they should have been and used to be rooted in, and instead began their chase for power, adopting these radical, woke ideologies and narratives and and issues, uh, all all to score some political points. You can't really make sense of it because a lot of it is so irrational and illogical uh, but it does make sense when you realize that they're doing all of it for power. It's like
0: what Ronald Reagan said. He said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party That's left right. me. Right? That's
10: exactly how I feel. And I, I, I think there's a lot of Americans who feel that way, too. So to your listeners, if you are one of those people, you're not alone. There are a lot of us out there. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to take advantage of some very public platforms to be able to share the reasons that I left the Democratic Party, whether you do or you don't, um, I, I just want to encourage people to think about what matters most, not a, a, as a party affiliation, but really what matters most to every one of us as Americans and recognize now is a time for us to stand up and... and uh, proclaim our conviction and our, our our treasuring of peace and freedom. Uh, because like I said, this election is pivotal. I'm, I'm concerned that if we don't make serious changes, uh, the country that we love is going to be lost. And we'll look back with regret saying, gosh, I wish we had done something. Now is the time to do that something.
0: It's very obvious why you are on President Trump's short list for Veepstakes, Stakes. and I love
10: that
0: idea. <laughs> tulsi Gabbard, congratulations on the book. It thank comes you. out soon. Pre-order it now. For love of country, leave the Democrat party. tulsigabbard.com.
10: Yes, thank tulsigabbard.com. Uh tulsi gabbard on social media. We've have a lot going on. We'll hopefully be coming to a community near you. I'd love to come and visit your hometown. We would love to host you in Philadelphia. Thank you. Tulsi very Gabbard, much. thank nice you my to friend. See you. Aloha. Aloha.
4: CLE is live, live from CPAC. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
0: I'm so excited that Tanya Gould just stopped by. She's the director of the Anti-Human Trafficking Project, and... Uh, Office of the Attorney General, Commonwealth of Virginia. Tanya, it's so great to meet you in person and see you. How are you?
11: Awesome. I'm good. Yeah? It's it's a lot of energy here. Here, A lot going on and just beautiful. It's beautiful to see people coming together. And to actually have, you know, a panel talking about human trafficking is just amazing. Finally. So excited about it.
0: Tell me about the work you do in the Attorney General's office specifically.
11: Absolutely. So my job is to um, help our... um, stakeholders and particularly those who are in leadership to understand what it means to have a trauma-informed people-centered focus or response, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, we're working to build structure and organization. um, And I work very closely with our governor's office as well, Mm -hmm. and um, also our federal partners. So we do our best to make sure we have that federal, state, and local partnership and collaboration, uh, because that's really important. And of course, what our victim service providers.
0: And I'm a huge fan of your governor, and also your your lieutenant governor, by the way. Of course. (laughs) She's got a very special place in my heart. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, uh, You are a survivor. I am a survivor. Tell us your
11: story. So I won't go into it because that—that's uh, you know tea and coffee. Right, I understand. Um, but I was trafficked as 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 I was exiting my senior year of high school, and you know what I like to remind folks that you know. You know, a lot of times as kids, you know, we are disconnected from our community, right? we're looking for a place of belonging. We all want to love and be loved, period, right? So as I was exiting, um, I definitely was looking for um, just love, you know, looking for something different, looking for a place of belonging and validation. And I met my trafficker, soon-to-be trafficker on a senior field trip. Yeah, and it was just, you know... When I met him, he did all the right things, you know, traffickers are master manipulators and they look for the very thing that they can use because they're going to exploit you. And so once I, um, we dated for about four months. And once he convinced me to do something he wanted to do with promises, right? Because he had me talk about my dreams, what I wanted to do. I was a single mom at the time, which was, you know, kind of taboo, right? And um, so very, again, disconnected from my community, he gave me that sense of belonging and support. So, you know, I, you know, as as we um, are are going into um, this, is what I'm going to do for him. You know, he it, it, and I, I, didn't want to like had he told me what trafficking was, cause I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't know we're we're thinking about what prostitution is. We're thinking about uh, when we when we say the words pimping and hoeing, right? right, right. You know, um, that it, it's important to bring up these conversations because kids don't know, right? So. <laughs> Um, Had he said, this is what I want you to do, I would have said no, right? Right. In fact, there was a point when he, when I realized this is what he wanted me to do. And I said to him, "Um, I'm not a hoe. And he said, you're not. I, I said, no. And then he, he retraced my past, which is full of trauma. And he compared me to girls that were already working with him. And he said to me, well, who's the real hoe? It's you because you're not getting paid for anything that you've done or was done to you. And so, you know, traffickers use all of these manipulative tactics um, in order to persuade you and also make you feel like it was your idea. And so, I try to remind parents that when their kids get caught up in this, traffickers just understand the gaps in our communication, in our society. You know, they all this divisiveness. They love this because they do not discriminate. Right, They will find a place for you And that's what a lot of kids are looking for Is looking for that sense of belonging and someone to listen
0: You spoke here at CPAC Yes uh, Which I think is great Human trafficking is real But unfortunately there's an establishment out there That mocks it, belittles it, and acts like it's a giant conspiracy theory Why?
11: So, I mean, you know You think about it Demand is the issue the Demand wasn't here you know, we didn't have the demand for it, then I wouldn't be a survivor, right? And so until we really start uh, talking about, in in my opinion, I think we should talk about the demand as a addiction issue Mm -hmm. and call it a public uh, health and safety issue, we're not going to really do anything. We're just going to keep seeing ourselves go around in this cycle. You know, um, we live in a society where we're okay with saying boys will be boys. And I say no. I raise my boys to be men, fathers, protectors. That's that's how it should be. So we need to begin to dispel a lot of these myths and things that we allowed in our society that we said was okay. As a survivor, you know, okay, thank you for creating legislations and laws that protect and help victims, but I want justice, right? We need to deal with buyers, we need to deal with traffickers, right? Um, And so that should be our approach. If we're going to see the eradication of human trafficking, modern day slavery, then we need to deal with it. And, you know, human trafficking shouldn't happen everywhere, anywhere, rather. Human trafficking shouldn't happen anywhere. But it should not happen here in America. I was going to say,
0: but certainly not in the United States of it America, sh- in the year 2024.
11: Can you? T- can I tell you, as a child, I and I talk about this all the time, when I said the Pledge of Allegiance, I meant it. I was devoted and loyal to freedom and what freedom could mean for me in a situation at where I was at home and didn't feel freedom. I would get to go to school and say the pledge and sing the song, My Country Tiss of the Sweet Land of Liberty, because I wanted that so bad. But then to become a transitioning adult. And to, to be lured into trafficking and having to spend almost two years in such a horrific you know, situation, I mean, that is traumatizing within itself. And when I, I'm just thankful for that foundation and for those songs and, and doing the pledge, right? I'm thankful for it. But you know what? My trafficker did the same thing in school, right? So why is it okay for some to have freedom and not all? Right. That this is not the country that we send our our men and, and our warriors to go out and fight for. Right. So um, there's just, in my opinion, you know, what I think from my experience, and even still working with uh, um, victims and survivors, this is something that we deal with as survivors. Like, no. do you, America, care enough for us? Right.
0: You You were able to get out. Yes. But not everybody does.
11: Right. Unfortunately.
0: How? How, how can they get out if they're, if they're, if they're fortunate enough to...
11: Yeah, I'm, I mean, unfortunately, folks who are in this are not going to listen to this, right? They're not yeah. going to hear, hear, hear you and I talking, right. right? But people who know these people may be listening to this. And I always um, ask people, I know for me, it was seeing people just displaying kindness, right? Treating me like a human. In my trafficking experience... It was a law enforcement officer who saw me, and which in this case, he could have put me in jail, right? There were law enforcement officers who, you know, I had to do tricks with, right, to, in order to stay safe or not go to jail, right? So, but there was this one particular law enforcement officer who, sh- who looked at me like I was a human. He looked past what I had on. He looked past what I was doing. And he looked at me and he said, what are you doing out here? And I knew when he said it, that he was talking to me as a person, right. as a person with dignity and who did not deserve this or whatever has happened in my life. And that was the very first time that, you know, I, I, I it was the very first time, like we were talking about hope and what hope is. That was the first time I felt that, that type of hope, that a human being, a man in authority actually saw me as a person.
0: Well, we're grateful for the work you're doing. Thank you. And I'm really grateful that the Virginia Attorney General's Office is recognizing this.
11: I am so excited. And
0: doing something about it. And you are a national leader in this. Tanya Gould, Director, Anti-Human Trafficking, Office of the Attorney General. Tanya, if people would like to connect with you, what's the best way to do it?
11: Um, well, right now, I'm working hard in Virginia, and so sometimes I'm able to be pulled away, but not often. Okay. Um, uh, but for right now, I am definitely, you like, can reach me at the Attorney General's office, and uh, my email there is o u l d. O-A-G dot state Just rolls off the tongue.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
11: Um, I'm, there's a lot of podcasts that I do um, that I've done with D- uh, D-O-D and D-O-J and, you know, DHS and I've been a consultant on that level and I was a member of the United States Advisory Council on Human Trafficking, so I've done a lot of work. So you can look at some work that I've done in advising um, state uh, and, and federal and now international levels on programming and what, what everyone's doing. So I'm... I'm I feel honored and blessed and, you know, I want people to see me and to see that you can, like, what happened to you doesn't define you. It is is a part of me, right? I had to learn and build, but the dreams I had as a little girl... I, I still have dreams, right? I still have hope. So my trafficker thought he can take that, use it, you know, for his advantage. But I got to reconnect with that little girl, and now I get to like live out my life. And so that's what I want people to see. I want people to see that just because this happened to you doesn't mean that you know life is over for you. You can do whatever you want. You can dream. You can do whatever it is that you see in front of you to do.
0: Tanya Gould, thank you so much. Absolutely, thank you.
4: The only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
0: All right, as we continue along live here at CPAC on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, the big story of the day today brought to you by. My buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Uh, It's so great to be with you. I'm telling you, we're having a blast. But I I really would be remiss if I did not talk to you about the breaking news today regarding Fawny Willis in Georgia and what those new text messages and everything else show. And those text messages show that we are looking at a guy and a relationship who actually, this was going on a whole lot longer than we thought. Nathan Wade visited Fawny Willis's neighborhood before hiring, according to cell phone data. Cell phone data indicates that—and this contradicts, by the way, previous testimony—previous testimony from both Wade and Willis, <coughs> who both maintained that their relationship did not begin until early 2022. So the question really is, were they just friends? Were they friends with Bennys? Or were they, you know, maybe more than just friends? This is the big story of the day today. Nathan Wade appears to have made far more visits to the neighborhood of Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis and previously admitted in court. A Friday filing from the attorney of former President Donald Trump, so that's today. This is breaking news today, claims to show at least 35 visits by Wade to the Hopeville neighborhood before he was hired. <coughs> Excuse me. Wade testified last week. He did not visit Willis's condo more than 10 times. Before being hired in November 2021, Wade and Willis maintained their relationship began in early 2022. Willis hired Wade in 2021 to help prosecute her sweeping racketeering case against President Trump. Trump co-defendant Michael Roman alleged in court filings last month that Willis should be disqualified from the case, claiming she financially benefited from hiring Wade because of their personal relationship. The date when the two lawyers' relationship began is key to the ongoing dispute brought by Trump's attorneys who argue that their romantic filing compromised the integrity of the case. And here's the key thing. The integrity of the case was compromised. That's what we know for sure. That's what we know for sure. It's 100% true. The, the integrity of this case, because of their personal relationship, means this entire case needs to be completely thrown out. I'll ask Hans von Spakovsky about that a little bit later in the show when he joins me. The defense is trying to prove the existence and extent of any financial benefit to Wade from their relationship, which is the crux of their argument that Willis should be disqualified. Because, again... You know, I mean, he's the gumata, she's the gumata, they're both knocking boots, and, you know, she's paying him, and then she's benefiting from that money. It's a major, major problem. And now that all this is coming to light, the only question is, how soon does the judge come back and say there's a massive conflict of interest here? Cell phone data also seems to show that Wade twice traveled to Willis's apartment late at night without leaving until the next morning. Oh, so they had a little sleepover. Well, maybe it was innocent. You know, maybe they wore their pajamas, watched a scary movie, had some snacks. My favorite sleepover snacks, of course, obviously would be popcorn, duh, and also a little bit of Barry White, maybe a little bubbly. <laughs> uh, just uh, just friends, you know. They probably both were in cozy PJs, maybe with footies, footy pajamas <laughs> that zip up in the front, <laughs> like her dress. <laughs> <laughs> Wade and Willis have both testified they did not sleep together at the Hapeville condo. Nobody believes that. We are required to respond to the filing via the court. We are preparing a response now, said a spokesperson of the Friday filing. That's what they said, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So I think this case is done. The Friday affidavit asserts that cell phone data shows Willis and Wade sharing more than 2,000 phone calls. And just under 12,000 text messages in the first 11 months of 2021. Judge Scott Mafke will now have to decide whether to admit the Friday affidavit and the cell phone data uh, and uh, whether or not it's going to be evidence. And I think it is going to be evidence. And I think that that basically means this case is done. This case is over. All the cases are falling apart here. I mean, it's really just insane how it's falling apart. But one of the questions, of course, that... I'm going to be asking a little bit later in the show is, what happens if this case does go forward and Donald Trump is sentenced to prison in Georgia and he's in a Georgia penitentiary? Do we have the Navy SEALs go and break him out? Do we have SEAL Team 6 go in there and rescue him and have a standoff with the Georgia penal officials? Escape from Georgia, penal edition. (laughs) That is my movie, along with White House Cocaine Dog, which clearly won the poll yesterday Defund the police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark, did not win. Fine, it is cocaine White House dog. But either way, this is a big, big deal. You know, and the, uh, the, the other problem, too, with all these ridiculous cases against the former president that are just falling apart, is that this New York case, this $355 million judgment, is such a violation of the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution against levying cruel and unusual punishments and excessive fines and bail. And that's exactly what this is. And so it's my opinion that the New York case is also dead on arrival. But you know what's not dead on arrival? The case against James Biden. That's also true. National Review had a piece on this as well. James Biden testifies payments to the brother were for loans. But he has no documentation. Listen, unless you are borrowing money from a, uh, a guy in South Philly who's going to break your legs if you don't repay. Like, like how Rocky got his start. President Joe Biden's brother... And anybody else who lends money, usually there's paperwork. It's kind of like how Phony Willis gave cash to Nathan Wade and there's no receipts, there's no paperwork, there's no papers, nothing. President Joe Biden's brother does not have any documentation to back up his claim that payments he and his wife made to his brother in 2017 and 2018 were loan repayments. A source familiar with Joe Biden's closed-door testimony on Wednesday told National Review. James Biden testified in his opening statement that although his brother provided short-term loans... He was not involved in and did not benefit from his family's business dealings, which are the main focus of the Republican impeachment inquiry into the president. He said he repaid his brother within weeks when he obtained the money to pay him back. His brother also did not, him charge, did also did not him charge, uh, charge him interest on the loans, which is very nice. No interest, no vig. Come on, everybody knows there's got to be a vig, right? James Biden said he repaid his brother and charged him no interest. Nobody, and I mean nobody, believes that. James Biden testified he called the law firm to obtain money for the loans from his brother's bank account. He said he didn't know if the money came from Joe Biden's personal account or from Celtic Capri, the president's corporation. But I'll tell you, as you think about this entire thing with the Biden crime family, the question still remains here. How did all this money get made by the Bidens? And you know the answer is Joe Biden was the brand. Now, the point of all this is that the American people are waking up to the corruption because the economy stinks and they can't hide this anymore. They can't hide Joe Biden in the basement anymore. Everybody sees and feels what's happening. They see it. They feel it. They know it and they want to stop it. And that's the reality. That's the truth of what we're dealing with here. I think that as as time goes on, the pressure on Joe Biden to drop out of this race only gets exponentially worse. It really does. And a lot of this is because of this corruption here. In 2020, they ran him as this kind old man in the basement who was going to keep you and your family safe from COVID and mean tweets. Well, now people are saying, "Uh, I miss mean tweets, and you know what? I'm not afraid of COVID, and this guy's a crook. And meanwhile, I'm paying $9 for a dozen eggs. I don't want it. I don't like it. I, I don't want it anymore and and this is this is the problem for Joe Biden and his campaign. The bigger problem though, is for nikki haley 's campaign, which tomorrow implodes in south carolina and i i 've told you this before I mean this thing is so over. The establishment of the Republican Party is going to keep pushing her to stay in the convention until the convention. She has no chance there 's no pathway and i 'm telling you right now if for some reason. You know, like the former president's kidnapped by aliens and can't run at the convention. They're not picking Haley. There's no way. She has burned so many bridges and made people so angry. But this kamikaze suicide mission that she's on right now is all because the Republican establishment cannot, cannot, and will not embrace Donald Trump. They're going to try to fight him and stop him every single turn they possibly can. Just like how the Democrat establishment's trying to do it, too. Don't forget, the Democrat establishment would love Nikki Haley in the White House. They would love it. She'll keep the war in Ukraine going. The swamp will get to eat. They'd have no problem with Nikki Haley being president. None whatsoever. That's why the establishments are coming together to try to help her. That's why so much of her money is coming from Democrats. That's why voters who are Democrats are voting for Nikki Haley. Republican voters don't want her. They don't even want her in her home state. And tomorrow is going to be Brutal. She may have punked the media this week with her little, uh, her little stunt about, look at me. I'm going to pretend like I'm dropping out only to get all of you to cover me and then not drop out. But the real joke is going to be how badly she loses in South Carolina tomorrow. And it's going to be bad. And people are saying now, oh, maybe she'll run later in her, in her career. You know, she's young. There's no chance. I'm telling you right now, the damage that Nikki Haley has done and continues to do is irreversible. And I very rarely say that in politics, but it's true. It's irreversible in politics, what she's doing. And the one thing that I've noticed at CPAC here, and that is by far, is that the unity and the optimism in the room of a Trump candidacy, there's no question, there's no question the party's behind him. And you ask the average Republican voter, or the average voter who just is, you know, a blue-collar worker who's working hard, they want Trump. They don't want Haley. They do not want Nikki Haley. They're tired of their money going overseas. They're tired of the globalists. They're tired of the war. They're tired of all of it. And they don't want it, period. Period. And that is the truth, and that is the fact, and that is what we're seeing. All right, listen, we got a lot more to do here at CPAC as we continue live on the show. Uh, So much to come, so much more to talk about. And, again, we will do a special replay of our interview with Tulsi Gabbard. Is she on the shortlist for Veep? We'll find out. I'm very excited about that as well. But I want to thank our great sponsors of the show. You know, we always have such fantastic sponsors. And Dr. Mike Venaria is one of those guys. He is a great guy, great friend, great dentist, and the master of dental implants. So go see him today for your perfect smile. With two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, Dr. Mike Venaria will give you the smile of your dreams. So what are you waiting for? Pediatric general cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if necessary. It's all there for you with my buddy Dr. Mike. And I told you he's my dentist. My whole family goes to see him. So what are you waiting for? Get the smile you deserve today with Dr. Mike Venaria. V-A-N-A-R-I-A. VenariaDental.com. You deserve a beautiful smile. Come on. A smile says so much about who you are. It lights up the room. And if you've had an estimate for complicated dental work, get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. You'll be so glad you did. Oh, and uh, you'll love The Office, too. Great music playing, great staff, and he's very like-minded politically, if you know what I mean. You'll have great conversations with him. In fact, he may give you some thoughts you haven't even thought about before. But I'll, he'll certainly give you the beautiful smile you deserve. Dr. Mike Venaria, Venaria Dental. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, Dental.com.
4: Rich Scioli weekday afternoons 3-7 Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, W.
0: All right, as we are live from Radio Row at CPAC 2024, I'm so excited. One of the smartest legal minds ever, and he, he's been on the show before. He's been generous with his time, but now he's in person with me. Hans von Spakovsky, and I nailed it. Senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III, Center for Legal and Judicial
12: Studies. Hans, Bobby, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great, and it is nice to actually see you when I'm talking yeah, to you, you know, nice. in person. We got a lot to chat about. Yeah there is. there's so much going on you know the Biden administration is so bad that if if I could stay awake 24 hours a day <laughs> seven days a week and write about all the stuff they're doing. I still couldn't keep up with no, it. No, you could not. Right. Uh, let's talk about the 25th Amendment. I heard sure. a lot about the 25th Amendment when Trump right. was president.
0: I remember one of my favorite lines was um, the guy who wrote that book, Fire and Fury, and he was on with uh, the unbiased journalist, George Stephanopoulos, and he was going on about, you know, they would sit around and say, is it 25th Amendment bad? You know, there was all <laughs> the rumors about. Uh, it seems like this president might actually qualify for the 25th Amendment.
12: Yeah, it, it, you know, those those attempts with Trump were just... Ridiculous. They, they were trying to say that because they disagreed with him on policy, yeah. they ought to usually get out. No. The 25th Amendment was passed so that if a president becomes physically or mentally unable to carry out the duties of his office, um, then you can replace him with the vice president as the acting president. And the way to think about this is, is easy. Um, look, this was... Intended to correct something that happened in our history. And, and I wonder whether people realize how... You have to wonder. Is history repeating itself? In 1919, President Wilson... The worst suffered, president of yeah, ever? In 1919, he suffered a severe stroke. It was so bad that... Um, I think he, he basically was mentally incapable of doing anything because he was virtually in a coma. His wife hid this from Congress, the public, even members of his own staff, she would go into the bedroom where he was lying in bed and then later come out and say, well, uh, President Wilson said we should do this, this, and that. Hmm. And nobody really found out about this until many years later, and the 25th Amendment is supposed to take care of that. In essence, if the Vice President and a majority of the Cabinet officials send written notice to Congress the president is unable to carry out his duties then the vice president becomes acting president. Now you and I both know they're never going to do that. No. no. And even if they did uh, remember what happened at the press conference that um, Biden, his disastrous press conference that he held right after that special counsels were working yeah. out? he got visibly angry at mm-hmm. anyone questioning his abilities. So even if even if the vice president did this, he clearly would object. Right. If a president objects, then Congress has to have a vote and it takes a two thirds vote of each house to say the president should be removed. Now you know that's not going to happen. Either. No. No. <laughs> no way. No. So basically there's no chance we're getting a 25th amendment removal of Joe Biden here. There, and listen, unless, and I certainly don't wish this, but unless Joe Biden falls over on stage and... It goes into a coma as it's not going to happen.
0: Let me ask you: Can a president and vice president be from the same state?
12: No. Okay. No. The so Constitution specifically says that can't happen.
0: So there, there there's no chance of a Trump DeSantis ticket, then.
12: I, no, I don't think so. No.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, probably not for a lot of other reasons, but you know, since that's come up, right? Uh, and I wanted to point that out that the Constitution does forbid that because it's that's the vice exactly president right. is considered part of the office of the president, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right, so let's turn to some other things. Let's start with Pennsylvania, if we could. Uh, A lot of people in Pennsylvania are very, very nervous about the election coming up for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, you can leave aside questions about cheating and all the other stuff. What we do know is that in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said, hey, mail-in ballots, we can can have them days later, uh, no date, no signature, no postmark, it's all good, completely usurping the will of the legislature. I mean, literally just making it up as they went along. And the issue has not been resolved yet because right now the U.S. appeals court will decide if Pennsylvania mail-in ballots with the wrong date still count. And I think we also have the question of whether or not they have to be signed and all that's still out there. So where does that stand?
12: Uh, they just had arguments in the uh, Third Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. You had a, a bad federal district court decision. Um, so we're now just waiting or that Court of Appeals to make a decision, hopefully they will do it quickly, knowing that we're in the middle of election season. But, look, what's happening, not just in Pennsylvania, but in all these other cases, is um, they're trying to use this decades-old provision from the Civil Rights Act, which hasn't been used in a very long time, to basically change all the rules that Democrats don't like in elections. And, you know, they're attacking things like saying, oh, doing signature comparison, which is one of the few things you can do with absentee ballots, uh, that that's discriminatory and unimportant and therefore you shouldn't be able to enforce it. They're really doing everything they can to make elections as insecure as possible.
0: It's frustrating because... Republicans are going into this election still believing that there's a high probability it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans going on. And until we we can get over that fact, I, I worry that people are going to just stay home. These, these issues have to be resolved, but the Democrats don't want to resolve them. They want this stuff to be as open as possible. I mean, that's, I think, a big part of the problem. Same with the, with the dates. You know, in Pennsylvania, it says the ballot has to be signed, has to be dated, right. has to be in the envelope, it's all laid out, but the court says, ah, we don't care, and that issue has yet to be resolved, But and it's probably not going to be resolved by November. So we could be in the same situation in November of
12: 2024. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true, and one of the reasons for that is we've also got bad, if I could say this, bad judges on, you on your state Supreme <laughs> they're Court. They're terrible. Who, who, Whose job it is is to say, well, this is the law passed by the legislature, therefore you have to abide by it. Right. Where, where do they think they get the power to say, oh, you, you don't have to abide by that law? It's like they think they're a super legislature, mm-hmm. as opposed to being a judicial court who's supposed to apply the law uh, as, as it's passed.
0: And, and something as simple as A mail-in ballot with a date and a postmark so that we can know that the person voted by election day. Exactly right. Because, you know, the old saying, and this is what people say, and I mean, I grew up doing Jersey politics, Philly politics, was tell me how many votes you need, we'll get you the votes. (laughs) And and the problem is if all these ballots show up on Friday and they don't have uh, dates on them, of course people are going to think there's cheating that's happening. If it just so happens, like, oh, we need 100, oh, here's 102, you know, it just shows up. And that causes people to completely lose trust in the, in the system.
12: Yeah, I, I, would say, I would tell folks, though, uh, look, a lot of this depends, unfortunately, on which state you're in. And many states actually have improved things since the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. You know, a number of states passed big reform packages to try to fix some of the vulnerabilities in, in the system. And to give you just an example of this, look, Georgia had a good voter ID law, but it only applied to in-person voting. And what happened, of course, in 2020, the left said, oh, because of COVID, everybody has to vote by mail. And so the number of people voting by mail, including in Pennsylvania, went way up. So what did Georgia do? Georgia passed a law that said uh, our voter ID requirement now extends to absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. Does that cut cut all the potential fraud out? No, but it makes it harder to commit and Increases the security of the election process. Well, that's good. That's some good news, Hans. It is.
0: Um, Hans von Spokarski is with me. It's great to have him here. And let's talk about Trump. With this, which which legal case should we start with, Hans? <laughs> where Where do you want to begin?
12: Boy, isn't that that the very fact that there are so many cases going on is is what tells the American people that uh, these cases these are these are political cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, Almost every one of them is is really a bogus case, or there's a, a dual system going on. And the dual system is represented by the classified documents case, right? Donald Trump is being criminally prosecuted, if you can believe it, under the Espionage Act, right, for willfully retaining classified documents after he left office. Well, what did the special counsel just find on joe biden. right if you read the report which i actually have i get paid to do that <laughs> uh, it says joe biden willfully retained classified documents after he left the office of vice president oh but we don't think he should be prosecuted right I, you cannot you cannot balance those 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 two without realizing uh the folks who now have control of the U.S. Justice Department under Joe Biden uh, believe that Justice Department should be used to go after their political enemies and not their political friends.
0: And you know, Hans, when I was in
12: college, I learned that that's the very definition of a police state. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, literally. It, it, no, I think it is. And and look, that judgment, the three hundred fifty-five million dollar judgment in New York, the law that was used is so vague and so broad, it's one of the most bizarre state laws I've ever seen. It gives prosecutors a license to go after anyone they don't like politically, particularly in a case where, look, all of that money, it's not going to any victims because there are no victims in the case. In fact, the very sophisticated banks who were involved in lending money to Trump, uh, They all got paid back, they all made a profit, and they've all indicated they'd love to keep doing business with him. And yet that's the supposed fraud. That kind of confiscation of personal wealth is also something that goes on in places like Venezuela and Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. Third third world countries. And yet we're seeing it happening here.
0: Let's talk about that statute in New York. It's mind blowing. I mean you don't have to have intensity fraud. You don't even have to have any actual victims. And I don't know, but it seems to me like there was zero due process here. The judge just decided his guilt, and this wasn't a trial. This was a determination of how much money they yes. were going to steal from the guy. Yeah,
12: he, he determines he's guilty before the trial yeah. even starts. And look, if you read through the 92-page opinion, don't do it. it, but, no, but it I,
0: I don't get paid to do that, yeah, yeah, so right, I'll okay. leave that
12: to you, Hans. There's all these personal digs and shots at, at Trump. Yeah, and and that is so inappropriate uh, in a case like this. By the way, remember in that case, what did that judge do? He f- he imposed big fines on Donald Donald Trump for his behavior in the courtroom of of uh, talking back and arguing. Right. Well, what did we just see last week in Georgia <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when Fannie Willis, the prosecutor, came into the courtroom? Her behavior was ten times worse. Mm-hmm. Then what Donald Trump did, and but did the judge hold her in contempt? Did he fine her for it? Why, no, nothing happened. Again, it's like we have a double justice system.
0: And I'm told the dress was on backwards. I don't know. I don't wear dresses. That's what I'm told. <laughs> and the breaking news today is that there, the text messages between Fawny Willis and Nathan Wade seem to suggest this, this relationship is going on much longer than she said on the stand. I mean, there's real questions of perjury here committed by these two. But uh, a question that I have for you, though, which is, which is this. I mean, if Georgia, I think I think that case falls apart. I, I mean, I, I, my opinion is they're going to have to say there's a conflict here, and then I think the case is, is over. Obviously, New York's civil. The Stormy Daniels thing is not going to be the kind of thing that results in him actually facing jail time. The, so the big question still remains on the federal level regarding right. the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Now... I have a real fear that Jack Smith, the special counsel, is going to add charges to Trump and to say that he gave aid and comfort to those committing an insurrection, the Proud Boy, Seditious Conspiracy, so that they can actually make a, a, a 14th Amendment Section 3 argument that he really is disqualified. I hope the Supreme Court addresses the fact that it doesn't say the word president in it. It gave me great hope that right. Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson, pointed that out and said if there's any ambiguity shouldn't we err on the side right. of democracy but they're so ends on getting the guy I mean I could see them trying to go down that road so that they can say you know indisputably he's barred from running under the 14th amendment do you hope the Supreme Court comes back and settles that question as to whether or not the president is included in that and oh, do you think they oh, will
12: yeah. yeah no I think they will they're, look there's at least six different legal reasons why the Supreme Court should say that this doesn't apply to Donald Trump um, I, I think they're going to come out with a decision that uh, overturns Colorado, and I think it'll be a decision that will also wipe out all the other challenges in all the other states. And I don't, I don't think, that, I think the decision will be such that it'll make it impossible for Jack Smith to somehow add new charges so that the 14th Amendment can then be used.
0: Good. That makes me happy, Hans. That makes me very, very happy. Um, Hans, I want to ask you, too, I mean, you're you're such a great legal mind, and it's great to have you on the show. And again, Hans von Spakovsky is with me. He is a senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin the Third Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. When we think about the notion of due process in this country, and we we think about just this kind of... We're seeing more and more instances around the country of the government using law against people without really true due process. Um, the newest one now, and I know that you had a conversation about this with my buddy Michael Pelka, where they want to go after small businesses now, I, I guess for, for, for defamation, which sounds to me like a, an absolute nightmare that could occur as well, where they want to start punishing small businesses. I mean, it seems like we just live in a country right now where we want to weaponize the Justice Department to go against everybody we possibly can. Businesses, big, small, you know, whether oil companies, uh, gun companies, obviously presidential candidates, and it, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that I think this government loves to intimidate people. Oh,
12: that's you know? yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, we just saw our friend Mark Calc walk by as a local guy. I know you're familiar with the case, Bucks County. They charged him with uh, you know assault outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic. Right. It was such a bogus case that even Philadelphia's progressive lunatic prosecutor Larry Krasner would not bring charges.
12: Right. And a jury, jury throughout the case,
0: right? And but they do it anyway because there's no ramifications if they show up at your door and shackle and chain you and bring you right. out.
12: It's intimidation. No, th- that is exactly what's going on. And I will tell you that, for example, that that particular case was brought by the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, where I used to work. I know the political appointee who heads up that Oh, she division. terrifies me. You know her? Oh, I know her. And she is the most radical left-wing ideologue I think I've ever encountered in Washington. Hmm. And she has no no compunction whatsoever about using the Justice Department's power to harass and intimidate anyone. And you can see that in that in that particular uh, case. And look, this is a woman who, do you know what she did when she was at Harvard University? No. When she was at Harvard University, she wrote a letter to the Harvard Crimson, which was published, in which she said... Black Americans are mentally and physically superior because your intelligence depends on uh, how much pigment you have in your skin, and the more you have, the smarter you are. she It's one of the most racist things I've ever wow. heard. She wow. published this in the Harvard Crimson, and yet she was confirmed by the United States Senate to be the head of the Civil Rights Division. <laughs> and she's, know, People think I'm joking when I say that, no, no, you can, you can look it up, you can read her letter. And
0: she's as radical as you come, and yes. she hates pro-lifers, and she hates yes. pregnancy crisis centers, and she is using her office against them. Also, how about the fact that they're going after Tennessee for their law that says, oh my goodness. If, you, <laughs> if you knowingly engage in paid sex and, you're, and you know you have HIV, that that's a crime. Somehow that's discrimination?
12: Yeah, that is one of the dumbest, most frivolous suits, but it shows you how the people in the civil rights division think. Look, it has long been the law that if you intentionally, you know you have a disease and you intentionally infect someone, well, of course you can be prosecuted for that, yet... If it's HIV, why, why suddenly it's it's discrimination? Yeah,
0: but meanwhile, if you've got COVID and you walk around without a mask on, they'll try to lock you up, <laughs> send you down to a, a CIA black site. You know, that's the, that's the difference right there. Right. How do we how do we reform it? I mean, that's that's the thing. You're an optimistic guy. You work at the Heritage Foundation.
12: Look, the only first of all, the federal government is too big. Yes. It needs to be radically downsized uh, because the less resources they have the less time they have to spend on this. You've got to get a president in who is willing to make heads roll at the FBI and the Justice Department. And that means firing large numbers of people and then putting in the kind of reforms that won't let uh, this kind of politics happen again. Look, in the case you were just talking about in Philly, uh, where the FBI showed up with guns drawn... Mm -hmm. Sunday morning. uh, Sunday morning... Uh, for someone who had no criminal record of any kind, whose lawyer had said, "Listen, I, I, my my client will be happy to show up and surrender," who made the decision for the FBI to show up there? The head of the FBI, the director, and the special agent in charge of the F, uh, FBI office in Philadelphia. Neither one of them should have a job.
0: I agree. When we think about reforming the executive branch and the Vision 2025 that you guys are working on right. at the Heritage Foundation, yeah, I, lo- I love the people that scream that it's going to make uh, Trump a dictator. First of all, if <laughs> he's a dictator, I just want to say he's the worst dictator ever because he left the White House. I mean, right. typically dictators don't leave. Yeah, right, right. They don't leave and go, oh, shoot, I changed my mind. I want to come back. I mean, there's never, never been a dictator who actually left and then fought to come back. That's number one. But number two, I mean, to think that some... If I'm... If I'm at work every day trying to undermine my company, I'm going to lose my job. There are people in the executive branch who work for the president of the United States. They don't work for America. They work for the president. Their job is there to support the president. As you know, Article 2 gives the power of the presidency to the president, not a bunch of other people. It's him. Everything flows through him. Yet they're there. They can undermine his agenda. And that's insane to me, and with no ramifications whatsoever.
12: No, no, and that's, the, the, look, the, the, one of the biggest problems we have is what everybody calls the administrative state, which is, look, 99% of the people who work in the federal government are career civil servants who a president can't fire when they do everything they can to prevent him from being able to, to, to carry out his policy priorities like actually enforcing our immigration laws. Right,
4: right.
0: <laughs> or you got some wacko at the EPA who figures, listen, I'll outlast the president. I'll outlast the administrator. Right. I've been here I, I've been here 20 years. So I'm going to move forward with my green climate change agenda, and I'm going to promulgate rules, and I don't really care because I'll be here longer than you. I mean, right. that's the mindset these people have.
12: No, it, it is. And so I will ban the gas stoves yeah. that so many Americans use in their kitchens and the chefs love because they're the best stoves around, I- I'm just going to get rid of those.
0: And that's what Richard Trumpket Jr. tried to do at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. And everybody said it was a conspiracy theory. And it wasn't. He fully believed he had the power to do it. And you know what? He probably does have the power to do it. That's the scary part, because we don't live in a country where Congress actually passes laws anymore. We just promulgate rules. And if Congress doesn't like it, they have to pass a law to undo a rule. Right. It's so mind boggling. You can't even you know, comprehend it.
12: Yeah, no, that's a problem. And that's why the best thing that could happen in America would be if the federal budget was cut by about 40%. Mm-hmm. And, and big departments like the Department of Justice had their personnel cut in half.
0: I agree. And I, one thing I do disagree with Donald Trump on is I don't want the FBI to have a big, new, shiny headquarters. I, 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 want, it, right. I want to see it <laughs> downsized. I really do. Uh, last question for you. Let's assume, for sake of argument, they do find Trump guilty in Georgia, and he's locked up in the Georgia State Penitentiary, and it's Inauguration Day. Do the Navy SEALs go in there and rescue him and pull him out of that Georgia State Penitentiary? And is there a standoff? And can we make a movie out of this? Because I think this is a hell of a plot, Hans.
12: Well, it's an interesting And can the bad guy be named Hans? Look, I will tell you this. What? That... um, can the warden be, be a Hans? Be, be, can Bruce Willis that. rescue the president? Yeah, Come on. Think. You know where I'm going with this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hans. Come, on. Come no, on. I don't think they can do that. But <laughs> being convicted in a state first, a supposed state crime like that would not would neither prevent constitutionally, prevent him from getting elected, and it can't prevent him from serving as president.
0: So they'd have to let him out of prison.
12: I don't know if they'd have to let him out of prison, prison, but... They couldn't prevent him from becoming president. So he could be president in prison. Yeah,
0: I think you got to bust him out. I think we do a whole thing on this; it'd be great. <laughs> Seal Team Six goes in there, you know, in the middle of the night. It'd be like The Rock. Remember the movie The Rock yeah, yeah, with Sean I Connery? That movie. You're right. Ah, it'd be great. It'd be so much fun to watch. <laughs> it's as ridiculous as the notion of him being found guilty, which is why I'm having fun with it. Yeah, Hans. Uh, anything else that you think we should know about in the world of uh, crime, justice,
12: law, all of it? Well, the one thing is that uh, you know Schumer. There come the Senate comes back. Next week, they're talking about, Schumer's talking about just ignoring the articles of impeachment for Alexander Mayorkas. They should not do that. They should hold a trial. This guy is responsible for the worst border crisis in U.S. history. And to just ignore it would be real betrayal of their constitutional duty.
0: Oh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you this, this, this point about presidential immunity, because obviously I, I think the oh, Supreme yeah. Court is going to take the appeal on this. Uh, w- w- when we're talking about the idea of holding a president criminally liable right. for the actions of president, and then how we distinguish between whether or not it's the acting as president or not acting as president. I mean, From my perspective, when Barack Obama ordered those drone strikes against American citizens on foreign soil, I didn't like it, but they argued it was legal. What if I'm a U.S. attorney and I decide I'm charging him with murder because there's no statute of no. limitations on murder?
12: Oh, no. That, look, that's exactly right. Look at the situation this way. A president orders drone strikes. It kills terrorists, but unfortunately also kills some civilians. A new president comes in and says, you know, I don't think that was justified. Mm-hmm. I'm ordering my attorney general to criminally prosecute the former president for murder. Yep. If there's no presidential immunity, there's nothing to stop that. And what does that mean? It means presidents are going to be afraid to take the actions needed to protect the country.
0: Well, what if you take somebody, I mean, really, and and you put them into a CIA black site, and somebody charges the president with kidnapping? I mean, you know, it's absurd, it's ludicrous, but the problem is... That it's going to create a precedent whereby every president, when they leave office, is going to be... I'm sure they all skirt the law in so many different ways that we never even know about, let alone actually break it. That I'm sure that, that that's going to be a thing where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to find something that I can charge you with as a former president. And yeah. it would be insane. No, no, you're,
12: you're right. And the folks who think there should be no immunity, they're so blinded by their hatred of Trump yeah. that they're not thinking about what this means down the road all
0: right i said last question but you're so generous with your time last last question does the court though need to distinguish between what is presidential the duties of president and versus him acting in his personal capacity in that sense for criminal prosecution or do you just leave it to congress because that's article one and that's the impeachment clause and that's the end of it
12: i don't know i think they probably should leave it to congress you know the one area where the supreme court has previously ruled is they've said a president is immune from civil Liability Is immune? Is immune from civil liability. Right. And there they don't really distinguish. If you do something while you're in office, uh, whether they should draw a line with criminal, I I don't know. That's a good question.
0: My opinion is that if Congress felt that the actions, whether personal or private, um, rose to the level, then that's what they should do is impeach him. If somebody comes in and says, well, they didn't know about it, it came out after he left, I'd say, well, tough noogies. I mean, that's just how it works.
12: Right, right. And that look, impeachment was what the founders put in to take care of a president who misbehaves.
0: Hans, always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hans von Spakovsky, I appreciate it, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. All righty, Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much. As we continue along here live from Radio Row at CPAC, it is the big story of the day today. Brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Coming up, a special replay of our interview with our friend and potential vice presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard. That will be up for you to hear next as we continue and conclude our live show from CPAC 2024. And thanks to all our great sponsors. Thanks to Dr. Mike Venneri again for being a great friend and a great dentist. Uh, so without further ado, we'll come back. We'll play Tulsi and we will wrap up what has been, I think, an incredibly successful time at CPAC 2024. Matt DeSantis, what do you think? It's a very successful, successful CPAC 2024.
9: I mean, we finally got to meet
0: tulsi gabbard in person we so did. that alone made it a successful trip and 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 just to remind you she only did two interviews yesterday steve bannon and me and when she came over to me she said bannon sucked i was better she said <laughs> he was the lesser interview i don't know if that's true or not but i think that's what exactly i don't I think it's remember
9: happened. hearing her yeah, say she that said, she whispered but, in my ear yeah so, I, okay so, yeah,
0: she said that in, the, in <laughs> my ear all right this is talk radio twelve ten wphd coming right back
4: The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
0: All right, here's a special encore presentation of the interview with Tulsi Gabbard, the potential vice presidential candidate of the United States of America, 4 term congresswoman, and a woman who has left the Democrat Party because of her love of America. Here you go. All right, it is such an honor to have on the show uh I'm so happy right now. Four-term Congresswoman, 2020 presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, a combat veteran Multiple deployments to the Middle East. Currently serving as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Her first book, "For the Love of Country: Leave the Democrat Party Behind," is on sale now. It's bookstores this April. Pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Tulsi Gabbard, it's so great to see you, my finally, friend. aloha. Finally. I know, in aloha. Person. I
10: feel like we're already friends. I've heard your voice over the phone so many times, yeah. um, and just appreciate you and. And the heart and concern you've shown, not only for me, but really for our people out there in Hawaii. Well, absolutely. And you are serving our country. Thank you for
0: that. I'm grateful. For your continued service. And you're, uh, you're fighting a good fight here. I know you were on stage today at CPAC, talking about the fight against globalism, talking about the threats to America. Yeah. What are the biggest threats to America right
10: now? You know, the biggest threat is actually coming from within. It's, it's coming from within in those who have no qualms about destroying our democracy taking away our freedom as they pursue power. That's really what it comes down to. We have the Democrat elite. We've got the Washington establishment who are terrified of a free people, a free society, those of us who think for ourselves and will make our own decisions, that they're trying to control everything. They're trying to control who we are allowed to vote for to be our next president commander-in-chief. They are trying to control the information we are allowed to see. They're trying to control the things that we're allowed to say, not only through themselves, but indirectly through their friends in big tech and social media. So those who are paying attention are seeing this. There's a lot of Americans who are just living their lives. They're you know, going to work. They're trying to make sure that they can raise their kids in a, in a good, safe community. They may not be able to see all of the things that those of us Like you and I who are plugged in watching this stuff every day. And so it's for them that I wrote my book, For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, uh, because as someone who was a Democrat for almost 20 years, I've seen a lot, I've learned a lot, experienced a lot, and have never been more concerned for our Democratic Republic than I am right now. This is a pivotal election uh, that every American needs to recognize our responsibility to, to save our country.
0: And you don't say why I left the Democrat Party, which you did, but you say, leave the Democrat Party. You yeah. want to save America? Leave the Democrat Party. Unfortunately, That's a powerful message.
10: it is a powerful message, and it's not one that I, I deliver lightly. I, I, I was in the Democratic Party. I was a vice chair of the DNC. I was a member of Congress for eight years. I ran in the, the Democratic presidential primary in 2020. I, I did everything I could. To try, in in the hopes of bringing about some change to the party leadership, in the hopes of redirecting the party's focus back to its roots and its foundation, the reason why I joined the party when I was 21 years old, bringing it back to a place of being a party of the people. A party that actually wanted to bring Martin Luther King's vision to reality of of stopping this judgment of people based on race, but judge each other as individuals based on our character. A party that was a big tent party that celebrated free speech, that celebrated the protection of civil liberties. A party that said we shouldn't go to war unless we should absolutely have to. That party is unrecognizable. Uh, I saw going through those elections that uh, when I brought these issues up as I am to you now on the debate stage in 2020, I was booed by those who were there. People who, uh, I remember one in particular, where Kamala Harris's biggest criticism of me was that I went on Fox News and that I had the audacity to criticize some of President Obama's policies. Uh, my interest has always been about putting the American people first, putting our country first. And when we have leaders, even when they're in my own party, who are not doing that, it's my responsibility to speak up. When we have people who care more about power than they do about the people, we cannot allow them to stay in power. And that's really the bottom line about what's at stake in this election. We need to hold our leaders accountable and elect leaders who respect the American people, who respect our freedom, and who value their oath and and commitment to uphold the Constitution.
0: I mean, here we are at CPAC, and you're a rock star. There's a whole group of people here who would love to see you. You got a big, rousing uh, standing ovation inside the room. You were just with Steve Bannon a short time ago. You join a long list of people who decided the Democrat Party was wrong. Ronald Reagan, my hero, President Trump. Have any of your philosophies changed in the last couple of years?
10: Um, over time, yeah. yeah. I think there are a few things where, where the more I have seen uh, the truth and learned things that I didn't know before, um, my views on some issues certainly have changed. And I think that's, that's important for us all to consider uh, is is to learn from our experiences, to be open to new knowledge, and to have conversations and engage with people who have a different view on things. Maybe you come away still feeling the way you did, or maybe you come away with some questions and some cause for for introspection. I think more than anything, my appreciation for the Constitution has grown stronger. Great. My understanding of our founders' intent in those founding documents and what they meant for us, uh, has increased. And, uh, you know, I, I have always been an independent minded person. I've always done my best to make decisions based on what's best for the American people. Um, my foremost concern now is that our foundation is being eroded by those who are trying to come onto power and will stop at nothing in order to accomplish their goals. That it's a very dangerous thing um, that if we don't take action in this election specifically, I, I am very concerned that we will see changes that will become irreversible and this country that we know and love will become unrecognizable.
0: For love of country, leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has become the party of war.
10: Yeah. And
0: the war machine is humming along. And, you know, I listen to all their nonsense about sending $60 billion to Ukraine. That's going directly to the defense industrial complex right here in
10: America. And they it's celebrate so that, by the way. Right. They, this I just listened uh, yesterday. There was an interview on Fox News with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. And she parroted the same line I've heard from President Biden and Kamala Harris and other talking heads within the Democrat Party celebrating that fact as though it's a good thing. They're saying, hey, don't don't worry, American taxpayer, about sending another six billion dollars because actually money that's staying here at home feeding into. Military industrial complex. It's a job creation strategy. Right. It's such crap, and and the fact that they're proud of this should be very concerning, by the way, as they're saying it's creating jobs. Of that $60 billion, how much of that, Rich, would you say actually goes into the pocket of a guy working in a factory in rural Pennsylvania?
0: A lot less than the lobbyists in the swamp.
10: Exactly, Mm -hmm. a lot less than the corporate bosses Mm -hmm. that those lobbyists work for, people who make billions of dollars of profits on the backs of our troops, on the backs of hardworking Americans. It, I, I am personally offended every time I hear them making that argument. Why don't you go and create jobs that actually strengthen our infrastructure, that strengthen uh, uh, you know, the domestic manufacturing industry, bringing that back to life? Why don't you bring real value to our communities rather than selling us a, a quote unquote economic package with the aim of fueling yet another destructive war mm-hmm. that does not serve our interests? that undermines our national security interest. There is no part of what they are doing that helps us.
0: Tulsi Gabbard, I'm so happy to hear you say that because you love this country. You you are a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Yes. You care about national security, and you get it because this is not about national security. We have a border. We have an invasion going on. Right now, we don't know who's coming over here. Yeah.
10: It, it's, it's such a serious issue. And And you know, I I understand and can empathize that there are people who are suffering in their home countries and they're seeking a better life. The reality is that we as a country do not have the resources to take in every person in the world who is escaping suffering. We have a lot of suffering right here Mm -hmm. at home. We have a huge homeless problem in my home state of Hawaii. Many cities, both big cities and small towns, have increasing homeless rates, have increasing drug abuse, have increasing crime, unaffordable housing, unaffordable healthcare. There are so many challenges that we need to address here at home. The national security concern of having millions of people enter this country with no vetting whatsoever, They have identified amongst those they have apprehended people who are on the terrorist list. But what about the people they have not apprehended? What about those who they caught and released? There are so many people uh, coming into our country from countries around the world, people who we know are part of Islamist terrorist groups whose publicly stated objective is to create sleeper cells in our own country that will stand ready to activate at the direction of their leadership. This is a very serious concern, uh, and one of the many reasons why we need leaders who take, who will take immediate action to secure our borders.
0: And the Chinese nationals who are coming in as well, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, that's a major, major problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the weaponization of government. Yeah. You know, you talk about you, your, you're really, your, I wouldn't say newfound, but your enhanced love of our Constitution. Mm-hmm. As you talk about in, for love of country, leave the Democrat Party behind. <coughs> your, your love of our Constitution, this is a weaponized government that is going against the chief political opponent of the president of the United yeah. States using the actual national security powers that we gave them yeah. after 9-11 to bring down the leading presidential opponent of the president of the United States.
10: This is the kind of thing that leaders in our country from both parties have criticized, sanctioned, and attacked leaders of other countries for doing. Mm-hmm. This exact thing. Right. When yeah. you have a political individual and party in power, taking these tools and institutions of government and weaponizing them against their chief political opponent, we've our country has gone to war with other countries over things like this. And yet this is what's happening right here at home. And this is why I focus on this in my book, For Love of Country. It's why I talk all the time about how we have to focus on the threat to our Republic that is coming from within, because this is a threat that will only be addressed and defeated by us. Those in power are terrified of the people. They're terrified of a free society because they know, even as we may sit at home and fret about how powerful they are and how much money they have. And they've got the mainstream media. They have all of these tools at their disposal But all of them are terrified because they know when it comes right down to it, if we the people choose to exercise our power, they're gone. They're done. So we need to educate ourselves, inform ourselves, own the power that the founders in our founding documents gave to us Mm -hmm. to make sure that our government only exists with the consent of the governed. Well, if you're not happy with the government right now, take away your consent. And choose leaders who will actually put the interests of the American people first. The answer is simple. Uh, It's a very realistic goal that we should have as a country. It's lifting our voices. It's exercising our right to vote. And it's holding our leaders accountable. It's all we got to do. That's it. That's it. For
0: love of country, you left the Democrat Party. Did you get a lot of grief? I mean, you must have. I I mean, your your advice- They've been giving
10: me grief for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the things Friends, that I'm family. the things that I'm saying are not things that are. Uh, many of them are things that I have been focused on for quite some time. Um,
0: but I think I think Republicans should should
10: salute you and applaud
0: you and, and and welcome that and say, you know, it takes a lot for somebody to admit, hey, I was wrong. I I, I I my my ideas in the past, I was led down the wrong road. I think that's incredible about growth and that's our job as people, right, to grow and to become. Better. That's what we should do.
10: It is in life, in relationships, Mm -hmm. in politics, uh, to recognize and see those opportunities for growth and to have the courage to stand up uh, and speak the truth. Uh, There are things that I have learned and and, and, uh, and, and experienced that growth on, but I got to tell you, a lot of it has been the extreme direction that the Democratic Party has taken. Uh, My fundamental values really haven't shifted. It's the Democratic Party that has uprooted itself from those fundamental values that they should have been and used to be rooted in, and instead began their chase for power, adopting these radical, woke ideologies and narratives and, and issues, uh, all, all to score some political points. They're, they're, you can't really make sense of it because a lot of it is so irrational and illogical, uh, but it does make sense when you realize that, that they're doing all of it for power.
0: It's like what Ronald Reagan said. He said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party That's left right. me. Right? That's
10: exactly how I feel. And I, I, I think there's a lot of Americans who feel that way too. So to your listeners, if you're one of those people, you're not alone. There are a lot of us out there. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to take advantage of some very public platforms to be able to share the reasons that I left the Democratic Party, whether you do or you don't. Um, I, I just want to encourage people to think about what matters most—not as a party affiliation, but really what matters most to every one of us as Americans—and recognize now is a time for us to stand up and and uh, proclaim our conviction and our 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 treasuring of peace and freedom. Uh, because, like I said, this election is pivotal. I'm I'm concerned that if we don't make serious changes. Uh, the country that we love is going to be lost. And we'll look back with regret saying, Gosh, I wish we had done something. Now is the time to do that something.
0: It's very obvious why you're on President Trump's short list for Veepstakes, and I love that idea. (laughs) Tulsi Gabbard, congratulations on the book. It comes out soon. Pre-order it now. For love of country, leave the Democrat Party. TulsiGabbard.com.
10: Yes, TulsiGabbard.com. Tulsi Gabbard on social media. We have a lot going on. We'll hopefully be coming to a community near you. I'd love to come and visit your hometown. We would love to host you in Philadelphia. Thank you. Tulsi Gabbard, thank you, my friend.
0: Aloha. Aloha. All right, that concludes CPAC 2024. I want to thank Henry back at the studio, executive producer Matt DeSantis, for pulling off a great week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed all the interviews. We are so happy to be with you and bring you all this action. You can expect great things in the year ahead, including live convention from the Democrat and Republican National Conventions, and so much more. Have a great weekend. uh, On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, I'm fried. Keep the conversation going. We'll see you Monday. Thank you.
4: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today